We interrupt your regularly scheduled programming to bring you an update from the Leaving a Legacy charity drive. So far, the drive has been a great success, and we have officially crossed over the $250 threshold. As such, it's time to announce the first round of winners. Kyle, Conrad, and Brayden are the first three lucky donors, and will each be receiving a Penguin Punch playmat. But don't fret if you donated and didn't win. We still have many prizes left to go, including a GPDC Dark Confidant playmat, GP New Jersey Brainstorm playmat, and newly added GP Vegas Vendillion Click playmat. So if you have not gone around to sending in your bulk cards, now's the time. Please send all donations to P.O. Box 41 in Oxford, Massachusetts, 01540. Or if you would like to arrange a special circumstance donation, please email us for more information. All donations will be split between the Wounded Warriors Project and the nonprofit MTGCast.com, without whom this whole podcast would not be possible. With that, we hope you enjoy this week's episode of Leaving a Legacy. Hashtag fuck modern. Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't have to scoop to anyone. Right. Even it, your mom, you know, and she's <laughs> going to pop eight and you're going to pop her out. So we're going... <laughs> we moved into the balls portion. <laughs> There's some things you just can't find, but... Like, like Mex- Mexican food, you can't buy Mexican food. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to Leaving a Legacy, uh, some episode, I'm not exactly sure what one it is, and sorry about last week's episode, but I fucked up. Um, aside from that, we're back and hanging out, and I am excited as hell, and hopefully the other guys are excited as hell too. Uh, let's let's start it up, man. Uh, who's here with me? Uh, Jerry, you here? I'm here. Look at that, Pat. Are you here? Uh, I did find my way into this call. Yes. Look at that. And then is there somebody else here too? It looked like there was somebody else here. Howdy, Al. <laughs> who's that? <laughs> These dudes from Atlanta. This is Andrew. And this is Evan. What's happening, guys? What's going on? So two had a giant action going on. Yeah. <laughs> Adrian yeah. had such a good time in Georgia. He brought he brought some guys back with him. No, these guys are fucking Southern hospitality, man. This shit was that was that was that was a fucking awesome time. That was a good time. There was a lot of cool fucking decks down there, and uh, so yeah, we're gonna hang around and talk about some of what goes on with this game that we all enjoy. Sweet. Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> What'd you say? Yu-Gi-Oh! 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 <laughs> that's, that's what everybody says when Jerry's top decking like a champ. Yep, it's true. <laughs> Except against me. But uh, <laughs> I, I noticed you've been hiding from me, Pat, ever since I put together the listen, listen, you, Pat I'm, deck. I'm doing all against you, and I'm so afraid to play you. <laughs> oh, boy. So, uh, what's first on the docket tonight, gents? That's a good fucking question. Um, all right. Yeah, shit. I don't even know where to fucking start, dude. I, all right, I'll start with like, yeah. How was my weekend? Um, I went and ran into one of my buddies, who made some donations, and I'm still in fucking. I'm just still in awe. Um, he gave me a. He gave me some playmats. And three of them are so epic that I think what I want to try to do is to do like a silent auction and um, send them out individual to raise the money for charity. And uh, 
One of them is a serialized autographed by Christopher Rush lightning bolt playmat from GP Providence. Those ones look sweet. <laughs> yeah. So I put a I put a picture on that on Twitter and on the Facebook group. Um, you know, that way people can check it out. And then another one was the Eternal Witness from GP Richmond. Um which is wicked cool and pretty chase. Uh and the third one I mean, but the lightning bolt one had me floored, and then and he also gave me a Crucible of Worlds playmat, and uh, from Eternal Weekend. From Eternal Weekend, and yeah. and I was just mesmerized. I'm like, are, are, are you sure you want to give these away like that? And he's like, yeah, no, take them. He's like, do you know, do whatever and uh, raise the money. I'm like, oh, that is sick. So I was, I was, uh, I was, I left his place with like such a sense of gratitude that really. And, and I said it, I was talking to somebody else about it in a similar light, but um, I left this place with this with this incredible sense of, like, the cool people that I get to meet playing this game. And um, I woke up the next morning and I was still stunned. And then I went to uh, I went to go play down at T. And I had Bug Delver together and I stuck in, um, you know, he had also give, he gave me a copy of, he gave me a Days Undoing. And he's like, do whatever you want with it, play with it, sell it for the charity, whatever you want to do. And I stuck it in Bug Delver. I not the right deck for it, but like <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say it's like and you decided to put it in the worst possible deck. <laughs> well yeah, I just wanted to cast it. And like the only when I did, the only reason I did was because my opponent had two death rights down and I just wanted to screw with the graveyards. I'm like, alright man, we'll just do this. Yeah, and then it's like, you know, somebody, somebody looked over, they're like, I'm so excited that you just cast that card and I'm like, Yeah, I don't think it's gonna be too wonderful, but we'll just see. Um but while I was there, I ran into John Kerman again, and um, you know he he donated a, a, a GP Las Vegas click playmat uh, back at Die Hard Games. Very sweet. Yeah, so I ran into him again, and he was actually playing on an original click playmat, which was awesome. <laughs> but he gave me another box of commons, and nice. yeah, that was awesome. And and uh, and as I'm talking to him, and during one round, he was uh, playing against somebody, and the oh god, I. I could look it up. Um, I know it's somebody that just joined the Facebook group, too. But uh, the guy he was playing against looked over. He's like, oh, are you Adrian? I'm like, yeah. He goes, oh, I listen to the podcast. I'm like, oh, man, I'm sorry. Oh, him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he came over to me, and he was like, hey, I'm a big fan of the podcast. And I completely forgot to ask his name because I'm a terrible person. <laughs> no, I, I think it was Chuck. I think it was Chuck. But um, he had driven up from, where did he come up from? Someplace in Rhode Island. Woods, uh, Woonsocket. Woonsocket, Rhode Island. I'm like, wow, you drove from Woonsocket, and he's playing... You know, he's playing against John, who drove, like, an hour, and I'm like, wow, you guys drove, like, an hour to come play? They're like, well, yeah, you guys said that there was, like, 30 mans on Sundays every Sunday. <laughs> we had 30 people. I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, and I got to say, Evan, you guys had me freaking floored because you guys pulled a 30-man on a Thursday night. Yeah, yeah, like, we've been working hard at that. Yeah, that was that was um, highly impressive. <laughs> that was highly impressive to see that many people on a Thursday night. People got to work in the morning busting out Legacy. Yeah, yeah, we got some diehards down here. Got a real good, uh, got a real good lineup of guys playing Legacy. Mm. And, and um, so yeah, so I, I got to see Chuck and John, and then um, you know I had to go take off and look at a house someplace. But uh, yes, yeah, so, and then I left there and I went to go see Kyle because I knew he had some commons out in Southbridge, and I stopped by his place and played some Legacy with him, and because he had a deck he was brewing. And I, I, I can't even, I, um, he gave me so many freaking cards. Like this, 
I, I don't even know how many this is. There's like a box of five row. There's a box of four row. There's another box. Like, I, I made three trips bringing them out of my car. And then I ran into Josh Sissio today who gave me some more playmats. Um, awesome. And, oh, and that actually reminds me, because I also fucking early scoop in the top eight, Evan. Um, I think it was just last weekend, right? You were helping me set up the PayPal? Yeah, yeah, we're getting that. was just last weekend, right? Yeah. So the other thing, as I was down in, uh, so I went down to TE and I was playing Legacy. So Evan at, at our store, the guy, um, the judge there, his name's Nate, wicked cool guy. While I was playing around, alright, so while I'm playing around, Nate comes over to me first round and I'm losing a goblins and he hands me like a full art painted vampire nighthawk. And I just, I looked at him like, oh, did you hear about Atlanta? <laughs> and he's like, no, why? What about Atlanta? I'm like, oh, I got crushed with a Nighthawk with a jit on it. And he's like, no, I had no idea. He's like, I just uh, had this altered and and uh, didn't think I could sell it. Figured you'd take it. I'm like, oh, fucking cool. So I got this vampire Nighthawk. So I would actually like to mail that down to you, too, so you can give it to the opponent who fucking crushed my face with it. Uh, yeah. I was going oh, to say, was Evan the one who uh, crushed you with Nighthawk? No, Evan was playing. Oh, oh. Evan was doing bands. He was playing, uh, uh, basically the gate, except, uh, it was just, uh, little rearrangements of the brew and, uh, just, uh, a little more sideboard hate for some of the more, uh, offending top tier challengers. Nah, nice. So, we, we try to push a lot of those kind of like fringy decks, but, you know, we have some pretty strong players that are able to kind of maximize the value of the decks and we have a lot of chalice and trinospheres going on. A lot of wasteland, a lot of uh, a lot of like sideboard hate directly opposed to a lot of uh, the challengers. A lot of uh, prison decks, like is there? Yeah, I know people have been trying to make stacks work in Legacy. Is there any of that yeah. showing up down there? We have uh, Sean O'Brien plays a really strong Angel Prison deck. Oh yeah, the, the Monoway Prison. <laughs> yeah, I mean a lot of these dudes just will play stacks just out of pure value because they have Ravages of War times four, you know. Oh, jeez. I mean, if he got it, he might as well play it. <laughs> yeah, so they, they got a pretty good setup with that. They're all running the moats and uh, throwing Oh, so that's where all the moats are. They're all in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Like, you come down here and you see moat pinned under chrome mocks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God, Ravages of War is sick. <laughs> it's, also, it's a $400 Armageddon. <laughs> for, for lands. Yeah, it's the real it's deal. Yeah, so we deal with a lot of, uh, a lot of good hate, but we all take it in good fun and, uh, kind of strengthens everybody. Helps us maneuver out a lot of tight situations and I feel like we have a lot of detailed decisions to make, so mm-hmm. it's good. We got a lot of strong players, a lot of people, you know, take down tournaments, etc. We just try to keep an open environment so people can kind of like, well, most importantly have fun, but also just kind of push new, new kind of ideas and, um, also new cards. So people have like a little bit of fresh air to kind of get there with their deck to kind of figure out what the holes are, what to fill up and kind of get feedback from other players. Um, so I mean, people are competitive, but. It's pretty much in good nature, and people like to see kind of the low dog uh, kind of move up in the ranks slowly. Um, but we do have, like, omniscient guys that come by for sure, which is uh, fine. We got sneak and show guys that come by, and, you know, a lot of the 
the Delver stuff, and, and it's fine. We we do uh, bring out chalices and chokes, and you know all, all the all the fun stuff for that. Um, and if they hang out, they they can hang with it. Um, <laughs> strong miracles players, you know. Um, it, it it's we we have a real good meta, but we do particularly have like a pretty good chunk of uh, green, black, red artifact. Yeah, when when Adrian said that people were main decking, uh, uh, what's that card called? Where it's like you sack a green or white permanent on your oh, upkeep. No, he wasn't yeah, main dystopia. decking dystopia. They came out of the sideboard. Oh, uh, I mean, well, just the fact that it was made powerful. it into the sideboard. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the thing was, and, and so Evan, uh, it, it was it was so cool to see what you had going on your sideboard too. It, explain all the uses that the three glooms functions. Okay. Well, well, for my deck in particular, for that it's just deck. Just like your matchups, your deck. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, it's, so the toughest, the toughest matchup for that deck. I mean, if people don't know, it's a black green kind of depth deck with um, vampire hex mages, but then I'm using crop rotations. Kind of have some heavy ramp with dark ritual going into like uh, dark confidant thoughtseize. Uh, I also use the dark rituals to pump off my thespian stage. Um, just mana acceleration for hex mage because it's too black. Um, and then have a few thespian stages, uh, definitely running him to Turox, thoughts he's a couple death rites, um, and Sylvan libraries. Um, but, uh, anywho, I have four pithing needles in my main, um, which has also helped me with the gloom is both kind of tag teaming up against D&T, which I would say is the toughest match for the deck, sorts of plowshares being kind of enemy. Number one, but I do take the life of that game from that and pump it into Sylvan Library for card acceleration. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when okay, your, your enemy number one gives you 20 life, I don't know <laughs> if you can be that upset. <laughs> it's not upsetting, but it can run draws pretty quick with the decks that typically run white. Oh, uh, true. You know, like Miracles in particular. Um, so I'm really not trying to go for draws ever, so I'm kind of trying to work my way around that. With Miracles, I have... Uh, same thing with Miracles, kind of as D&T, but uh, the the Needles will shut down Aether Vial on D&T. Um, okay. Typically my target, but mainly Caracas and Wasteland, of course. Uh-huh. Basically, D&T is just full of, like, hate for my deck. Mirrodin Crusader, Wasteland, Shitting Port, Thalia, uh, Mother Runes Protecting, uh, the Angel. Uh, it just goes on and on. Swords of Plowshares. Um, they just have in all the equipment. It's just a it's a troubling match. Um, so the if I can dark ritual in the gloom turn one, it's usually a scoop. <laughs> and, and if it's not that, you know, then I'm usually getting out fairly quick. I mean, I'll tend to mulligan a little bit towards it, or if I don't have, I'll or I'll have the card acceleration to try to find it quickly. Um, otherwise, with miracles, you know, I I run four pithing needles main mainly just right off to stop uh, wastelands, and also it's it's a real skill intensive card. It has a lot of good uses, um, but. I use that to stop the wastelands, uh, mainly top as well when I'm doing the miracles matchup. Um, the gloom and choke together with pithing needle out is pretty painful for miracles typically. Um, but it can still be tight. I also have pernicious deed in my board, so that wipes out angel tokens pretty well. Um, so that's kind of the, that's kind of like my, my striking zone for those sort of decks, like the higher tier. I run two transfers. To take out omniscience again, something I can ritual into turn one, um, and it, it's a lot of these cards are just really trying to take down anything that opposes my deck or is a major threat, as we all know we do in Legacy. So, um, 
but I would say those are my hardest matchups. Rub can be a little tough, um, but uh, typically I'm, I'm going in pretty quick and I'm ready to lose uh, my Merrill Ace token or any of my my uh, my card advantage pretty quickly and still gain ground. When in doubt, bang it out. Yeah, so the, the, the have um, Bob in the deck, which is good. There's nothing in the deck that costs more than two. So Bob is really just giving me cards. I'm not really taking any damage. I had a Tomb Stalker in my IQ list, but it was just kind of for fun, you know. I was going to put in Juzom Jin, which I really wish I would. <laughs> um, just because he's the superior card uh, in my taste. I just would prefer to win with style sometimes than <laughs> win a tournament. Um, but that's kind of the gist behind it. Take less damage off of Juzom than I would a Gurmog or a Tombstalker or Tassiger. I wouldn't play Tassiger, though. It's just Karakas target. Right. I never even thought about Tassiger being legendary. Yeah, they'll just Karakas him out, and you're not going to have the Dell again. I'd rather go with Gurmog. It's just... You really gotta be hopeful, Tassiger, to have that mana. Just, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's risky business. That's, I just don't know if it's worth the risk, typically. True. I like, I like the list though. It, it kind of reminds me of, uh, the old school Dark Depths deck before Thespian Stage was ever printed and kind of Hex Mage was your only option. Yeah, I love Thespian Stage. I mean, I got Glacial Chasm in that deck with crop rotation. I can Thespian Stage my Glacial Chasm to kind of get more. More out of it, just don't pay the life, then I copy it with the Thespian stage and reboot the whole cumulative life uh, payment. So there, there's some nice things with the Thespian stage in the deck, besides just going off apparently. Age. I try not to be too derpy with the deck. <laughs> so, sometimes you just get Urborg, Death, uh, Dark Depths, and then a Vampire Hex Mage, and what can you do, you know? Yeah. Pretty easy to end the game that way. So, I got a question for Andrew, actually, because, Andrew, you're playing, uh, you're doing Food Chain, right? Well, I, I was playing Food Chain for a while, but, like, I tend to just, like, lose faith in, in decks. So, uh, I, I played it, like, to some mild success. Like, I think I had, top, like, Top 32 to Star City, and then I just ditched it for, like, something else. Like, I'm playing Metalworker Mud right now. Okay. So, um, and I got, all right, then, roundtable discussion here. Um, what the hell is that card? Manipulate Fate? Uh, you ever play that, Andrew? Yeah, I, I think it's like, I think it's just essential in the, in a food chain deck. It's like essentially like demonic tutor for what, for the exact card you need, and then also draw a card, and it pitches the force of will. I don't know. I was kind of like confused as to like the exclusion of it, but like, I can see how intuition could be also pretty helpful for you. Well, no, I just don't actually own Manipulate Fate. <laughs> like that's the first reason, but manipulate fate. Um, it doesn't. It what? It exiles three cards, right? You don't get one in hand. Right, but I mean the Griffins are just you fine. Draw a card. Sure, but you can't. Like my point is, you can't get food chain with manipulate fate, right? Right, but I'm like I, when I played the deck, it was like a bug list where like the deck okay. could fully function without food chain. Like yep. a lot of times, I just go on Griffin beatdown or whatever and just chill. And if you draw on a food chain, that's cool. But like, I played, uh, let's see, I know I played some cantrips. Like, I played brainstorms in the deck, and I played like a dig through time or two. So it was never really an issue. Like, when I, by the time I needed food chain, I would usually draw into it. Right. So I guess here's here's my thought. Have you guys ever heard of foresight? Nope. Not off the top of my head. 
uh, it's a blue and a colorless sorcery. Search your library for any three cards. Remove them from the game. Shuffle your library. Draw a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. Actually, that gets around Spirit of the Labyrinth. Because I've How seen that work. You, you exile three cards from your library and then just yeah. Then so, so yeah. So the idea is like with Manipulate Fate, you can play Shardless Agents. You can Cascade into Manipulate Fate and exile three Mestalogryphons to start casting. Mm-hmm. Foresight looks like it does the same thing. It's just when you draw the card that's different. Well, it looks like Foresight says draw a card at the beginning of next turn's upkeep. So yeah. if they have Spirit of the Labyrinth out, you're still drawing that as well as Spirit? No? Um, well, you can only draw one card per turn. Right? Yeah. So would, would, your, would your natural draw still happen? Yeah, I, w- I would just draw a card during your turn instead of during mine. So like, if I already drew a, if I drew my card for turn, Manipulate Fate, you can't draw the second card. Oh, it says the next turn's upkeep. So yeah, if it's during your opponent's turn. It's really, is like, it's, it's niche case is type it? shit, but... Yeah, I can see how this could be playable. It just looks like, it looks the same as Manipulate Fate. It it looks like, um, looks like it would serve the same purpose. Except yeah, it, it doesn't replace itself that turn. Yeah. Looks like it came out in Alliances, and it's got better artwork, so I'd probably be a little bit more tempted to play it. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that sounds like an alliances card because that was like um sub theme in alliances that you draw a card during the next upkeep, not your upkeep. Yeah, because that's uh, what was it? Uh, there was that counter spell. It was like was it arcane denial? Is that what it was? Counter target spell. Then each player draws another turn during the next upkeep. So your opponent draws a card on their upkeep, and then you draw a card. Yeah. Oh, good know. old alliances. <laughs> see how you'd want to get around Spirit of the Labyrinth, but I feel like you just didn't make as much of an impact as everybody was hyping them up to do. No, it's just that I don't have Manipulate Fate. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe if we make a little donation, we'll put a little side donation up to Manipulate Fate for you. I just got to find them. I've been to like, all the stores in the area, and it, the thing is, it's like, I'm like, well, I don't have Manipulate Fate. Food Chain was kind of fun. Fuck it, I'll play Merc Folk. And then I, like, oh, I think that's what we were talking about last week. When I played Merfolk up at the Wiz, and just like wastelanded somebody and surgical it out of their deck. Yeah, I remember one of y'all was talking about always having Merfolk together, and I'm the exact same way. It's like always in the corner of my little deck case. I never played. Oh yeah, <laughs> same with me, sitting right there. Not, uh speaking of Merfolk though, did you guys see the SCG top eight? Merfolk uh, came in fourth place. Nice. Yeah, actually, top eight of SCG was. Super diverse. There was eight different decks in top eight. That's great. Uh, yeah, L's one. Goblins came in fourteenth. I liked. It was interesting to see. Like I clicked on like several of the links to the deck list, and uh, there was definitely some Origins cards included in like at least half of the top eight. I'd say. Oh man, Whoa. hear that, Adrian? Hear that? <laughs> but yeah, Jerry, hold on, hold on a second. Go ahead, Jerry. What were they? Four. <laughs> <laughs> What, uh, what stuck out to you guys? What, what did you Goblin see? Goblin Pile Drivers. So in the Merfolk, Goblin Pile Driver doesn't count. <laughs> the Merfolk had, uh, it had this card, Harbinger of the Tides, I think. That's like a, it's oh, like yeah. a blue Merfolk. Yeah. That basically, like, you can vile them in if they're attacking in with Grizzlebrand or something and just bounce their creature to their hand. Yep. So that card was cool. And then, like, the Storm deck played some Dark Petitions, which I thought was pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny, because, like, Evan and I, like, just, like, we just... <laughs> went nuts. We, went, we went nuts over that card because we read it wrong first, and we thought, like, if you have Spell Mastery, then you get the Dark Ritual up front. Oh. 
So we're thinking like this is a two, like, like a two colorless like go find whatever I need card like snap let's buy eight of them you know yeah we thought they like some take their time thing it was so, very much a straight upgrade from demonic tutor <laughs> yeah needless to say I was like uh like begging with the vendors like please refund me so I can buy this card uh, I'm actually checking to see. Oh man, I'm surprised. The first elf deck was not running the new elf. No, actually, he has, yeah, of, he has one of the shaman of the pack, I think, in his main deck. Shaman of the pack. There was a couple elf decks, so I'm kind of scanning through them here. Yeah, like the first place, I think it was elves won first, and he's playing one shaman of the pack, which like seems pretty damn good if like you're if you wither down your opponent just barely enough to like not kill him, and you just zenith up up a shaman of the pack with a couple elves on the board. You know, it's game over. Well, <laughs> even suicide him in, like he's still gonna lose that life. Yeah, he's still a 3-2, so he's still going to trade with pretty much anything other than a Goyf. Yeah. And then it's even better if you just combine it with Wirewood Symbiote, even if it's only doing, like, three points a turn. Like, that's a bolt a turn. Isn't that the guy who, like, like, opponent loses life for how many elves you have attacking? Is that, is that, was that his ability? No, you opponent loses life equal to the number of elves you control. Oh, when he, when he deals damage? No, when he comes into play. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty strong. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't remember if it was like when he attacks, they lose life equal to the number of, of attacking elves or whatever it was, but yeah, that's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and there's a new, uh, there's a Day's Undoing. I get, that was like included in a, um, affinity deck, actually, which like, I yep. thought was pretty interesting, because like, that deck can just like, shit out their hand and just like, you know, they, they got nothing left and like, I guess Days Undoing fits perfect in that deck because like, you can cast yeah, it and just refill and come at them again, you know? Mm. Yeah, 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 my my testing group has actually been working with that because we have an affinity guy in our testing group and he like, just messaged me a little while ago. He's like, brilliant realization, Days Undoing and Affinity. <laughs> like, you're about 48 hours too late. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually seen some, um, some, uh, Blue Red Delver lists that are basically jamming, um, Days Undoing in where Treasure crews used to be, so it's kind of a little bit yeah. more of a, of a like a bounce, you know, more bounce effects, mm-hmm. and uh, then jamming in the four days and doing so. I might pick up four copies of that card and just try it out because it seems kind of good. I was going to ask you, Pat, you, you play Blue Red Delver, right? I I do to uh, to Jerry's dismay, yes. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> you came from Burn, and now you're playing Blue Red Delver. Is that correct? Yeah. So, how do you feel like? Do you feel like that like your matchups have gotten better now that you've like included blue, or do you think that like it could be any slower than just playing more concentrated burn deck? So, I'll, I'll, the caveat to this is that I played burn for literally one nine round tournament, and that was it. Oh, okay. Um, so, certainly my experience with the deck is is pretty uh, pretty narrow. Um, but for me, like the the biggest reason why I kind of went right into Delver after playing burn was that I just felt like the things that Burn was doing, it just felt really bad to see someone else run out a dig through time, and I'm sitting on, like, one card in hand, and I'm just sort of in top deck mode. Um, I felt like with Delver, I had more room to control my my fate versus, like, Burn. It's a lot of times that, you know, there's obviously a lot of play that deck, and, you know, a good Burn player is a good Burn player, but I, I just felt like I had more options with the, with the Delver deck. Um, and also just I was really excited to just kind of dive a little bit deeper into Legacy and try out something new. So, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like my matchups with, with with Burn were probably slightly worse than they were with Delver just because I'm running some soft permission in days and then I have hard counter spells, um, which I kind of like having. But, um, yeah, I think I think I'm probably my matchups overall are better with Delver. Um, yeah, I would think that. 
Yeah, I mean, I de- it definitely help. It's definitely pretty helpful to have like uh, counter backup for those like completely broken decks that want to go off on turn one. You know. Yep. Ten pins. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I've been eaten by that deck so many times. <laughs> yeah. Like I played in like a, it's it's like a great eight. I mean, I, I'm not really, I don't really care for the deck because like, it, you know, it just doesn't allow the, the opponent to do anything. Like at least like for a turn sometimes. Yeah. But like, it, it is good. I'll give it that. Like I play, it's like a good, it's a good for like an eight man too or whatever. What's, like what's like, that? What deck? Ten fins. Like I played yeah, it. Oh, okay. At, in like a legacy eight man like a couple times and like someone just like is just gonna win probably playing that deck because like people just can't handle the explosiveness of it. Um, but yeah, we talked about that on like the one of the first episodes of the podcast when I borrowed uh, Tin Fins down in GP New Jersey because you know I may not be able to win nine rounds of a tournament with Tin Fins, but I can probably win three. I, I feel comfortable winning three rounds with Tin Fins. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, there was a guy that was living in Atlanta. This dude, Greg Mitchell, was like one of the first pioneers of the, of the deck. Uh, you know, we were, he worked with these two dudes on the source. Like, I think there was like Richard Cheese and this guy DK that like they like built the deck together. Mm-hmm. And so like this dude Greg would play the deck at our local like weekly legacy tournament like every week in and out. I would just lose and lose and lose. And finally, I was just like, man, forget this. Like. I'm like playing a deck to beat this. So like, I mean, like, I wouldn't say that's where it all started for us down here, but like, you know, you just like <laughs> build up that anger, and you're just like, I'm gonna beat this. So like, the next week, I just had like Chalice of the Voids, Trinisphere's, and I, I had like Sideboard of the Angel of Despair because I knew he was like running show and tells on the board. I was like, come on, bring it, you know. <laughs> and like, that's when he decided like, all right, I'm over the deck. I'm gonna switch to something else. Yeah. <sighs> Good. So. Yeah, what's uh, what's going on in uh, the whole legacy legacy realm? I also got to play Sunday, and uh, I hope you Atlanta boys will approve. Uh, I played my first time ever. I put away the islands. I did not sleeve up a single island this Sunday. What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> No, but uh, I actually had a ton of fun. Uh, it, it was it was kind of, it was scary putting away the brainstorms and force wills, but it all worked out. Uh, I sleeved up uh, whatever you want to call it, like junk aggro, four color maverick, loam burning, like punishing loam. Like similar to like the top eight of, of like GP Lil or whatever. Yeah, very similar to the top eight of GP Lil. Uh, you know, Night of the Reliquary, Liliana, as Bob's Punishing Fire, Abrupt Decay. Uh, a couple Green Sun Zenith targets like Deathrite Shaman, Gaddock Teague, Scavenging News. I did add some spice. I added a uh, Titania Priestess of Aragoth, which actually won me a couple games. Oh, I gotta um, talk about Titania at some point. <laughs> oh yeah, it is a great feeling casting Green Sun Zenith for six and seeing the look on your opponent's face when they're like, "What are you searching for five? Like Ragtusk?" <laughs> I'm like, nope. <laughs> and I just, nope. like, I put Titania into play, return Wasteland from my graveyard to the battlefields, and then waste my own land, and I have 15 power on the board. <laughs> so that was that was some really good feelings. Uh, I beat, and I also beat blue decks. I thought I was going to lose to blue decks, but I beat them. <laughs> I, beat, uh, I beat Bug Delver. I beat Four Color Delver. I beat Sneak and Show. Uh, I beat, uh, I forget, uh, what else did I beat? I, oh, and I, uh, I beat Miracles. Uh, the only deck I lost to all day was Lone Pox. Ah. And that was because, no, it was my buddy Dan. 
And of course, because we tested and I crushed him, uh, I crushed him out of uh, seven games. I won five in testing. <laughs> and and at the tournament, he beat me in three. I crushed him game one. Game two, we both reveal Ley Line of the Void in our opening. So we're both lone decks. <laughs> Each of us have Ley Line. And he top decked into Helm of Obedience. And then game game three, I had a uh, six six Knight of the Reliquary uh, and like two Bobs. He had no blockers, and he was able to assemble the Dark Deaths Lesbian Stage combo and uh, killed me and killed my uh, Knight of the Reliquary before I could get a Caracas out. Ah. So I went four one, and they've actually named this after me now at the local shop. Uh, we <laughs> We cut the top four at uh, That's Entertainment, the place where we play. So prize payout, the top four. And I pretty much every week come in fifth on breakers. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask you to be top four. <laughs> yep, went 4-1 and came in fifth on breakers. And they've they've named the fifth spot the Jerry Me spot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually gotten so bad that uh, Nate, the judge, has actually said, it's like, okay, we're going to change this. Fifth place gets like a $20 pity prize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I so. feel like that deck, like if you give, if you let that deck stick around, you know, for a couple turns, it just has all the answers. I mean, it has like Caracas, it has Gaddock Teague, it has Chalice of the Void, it has Punishing Fire to like just beat up on all the, like, the little creature decks. Like it just has all the good stuff. Oh yeah, that's I felt that way. Like I felt it's like no matter what my opponent does, I comfortably feel that I have an answer for it in my deck somewhere. Yeah. Uh I was running Chains of Mephistopheles too, and chokes and you know, slaughter games on the sideboard and I I just literally felt like given enough time I could beat any deck. Yeah. Who was it that said they would never play slaughter games? Is that you, Adrian? Oh yeah. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I, it's it's too slow. It's hard though. I mean, in a deck like that, I guess this would be a perfect fit for it because, like, that loam deck is gonna is gonna last at least four turns, you know. And like, slaughter games is cast against some decks. It's just back breaking, and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's a good card. I just I'm so used to ten fins. I want a deck that plays turn one and wins. Like, not like I I, I like a real fast deck, and anything that costs four, I need to cheat it in. Gotcha. And like, slaughter games is hard to cheat in. <laughs> like, <laughs> And actually, I was talking to, I went and saw Josh today, I was talking to him about, um, so part of what was missed in last week's episode that I remember anyway was I was playing Merfolk at one of the shops up here, the Wiz, and I ended up playing against somebody, um, at the final, uh, he was playing Four Color Delver with Young Pyromancer and stuff, and he got me game one, game two, I wastelanded a volcanic island and surgicaled it out of the deck. And he was off red. And he had, like, a grip full of, of red cards he couldn't do anything with. And um, I'm like, yeah, I'm probably the only Merfolk deck you'll see play Surgical Extraction. Like, I wouldn't even worry about that. But it's just so... Uh, I don't know. I find it... That's a, that's a nice... I don't know. For me, that feels like a powerful play. I have a tendency to put something in a grave and slot and Surgical Extract it rather than pay four on Slaughter Games. I mean, Slaughter Games is good. It can't be... I'd have to look at that too. It, it, it's target. No, you name a card, right? You don't even have to target the card. So right. that, that can't be misdirected or anything either. Nope. Yeah, yeah it, it can't countered. I definitely think it has to be in the right deck. Like the the deck I was playing had a ton of ramp. You know, you go turn one, Green Sun Zenith for Dryad Arbor, dropping a 
um, Mox Diamond, and you have four mana on turn two. So you can just really afford to to ramp into these more expensive spells that most decks aren't don't have any business playing. Yeah, it's it's got to be in the right deck. I mean, I I wouldn't put it in Merfolk. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put it in Grixis Delver though. I think it's a more apt comparison. Like, okay, just because you can cast it doesn't mean you should. Ah. But uh, I, I thought the deck was really fun. I'm going to run it again. We actually have a 1K up here, Legacy 1K at uh, Phyrexian Games out in Fitchburg that I'm going to bring it to. Yeah, this Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah this Sunday. Uh, so, so by the time this airs uh, yesterday. <laughs> yes. Well, obviously. I mean, I don't want anyone gaming against me. We have, right. we have locals who listen to this. <laughs> so I, I had a question for you guys, since we have a few extra extra brains in the call today. Um, I was doing some uh, some reading because I've been trying to study up on Blue Red Delver just to get better at the deck, and um, I've seen that there was like a big thing about when you cast Brainstorm. Like I was doing Brainstorm sometimes on people's end steps, like before my turn. But there's like mm-hmm. seems like it's people pretty heavily rely on it for like main main one or main two. Like, what do you guys think of that? Uh, I have some some little catchphrases that I've picked up over the year that I feel sum it up pretty well. Uh, okay. Enough. So, a couple ones I've heard was the best brainstorm is the one that you never have to cast. So you always you always want to save the brainstorm until the very last minute because brainstorm is the card that can get you out of a lot of bad situations. So you don't want to be firing off brainstorms left and right because a lot of times you'll play brainstorm and then your opponent will thought seize you and you're like, oh damn, if I had to save that brainstorm, I could hide this card that I really don't want him to take with thought seize. Um, the other one I've heard is uh, Brainstorm is the best sorcery ever printed. <laughs> and that it's pretty much that you should pretty much the majority of the time only cast Brainstorm main phase. You shouldn't ever uh, cast it end of your opponent's turn because by just casting it after your draw step, you get to draw that one more card deeper. Whereas if you're casting at the end of your opponent's turn, you're looking at, the, at three cards, putting two back, and then immediately drawing a card. Whereas if you right. cast your turn, you draw a card, then dig three cards deeper, so you see that extra card. Huh. All, all that being said, though, that, those are the things that make differentiate a, a, a new a new person to brainstorm to an experienced person with brainstorm. The way mm-hmm. to become a master with brainstorm is knowing when those rules don't apply to that situation, right. and it is correct to ignore those rules. Yeah, yeah, so when is that? I mean, do you have any, like... Uh, that's where the that's where the sayings run out. <laughs> I wouldn't really say that there is one best time to cast it. I guess the more you play, the more you'll figure this out. But like, it's completely situational, which is why it's like one of the driving forces of the format. Like, if people are playing Thoughtseize decks or whatever, then like you're gonna brainstorm in response to their Thoughtseize to hide your cards. You know, like right. and like also like you don't want to have like a set time that you're gonna do it because then you're gonna have a rhythm to your gameplay. And people are going to know when they should maybe counter your brainstorm because you, you're like automatically assuming that it's going to resolve, you know? Yep, yep. It might be a time you're searching for lands. But I'd say that definitely like stray away from casting it without a fetch land. That's a pretty reasonable like standby. Mm. Yep. Yeah, try and cast in main phase just so you see that extra card because that's just pure math. Seeing more cards leads to more wins. Um, but, you know, like we said, there's plenty of opportunities, plenty of times when those don't apply, that you should brainstorm without a fetch. Sometimes you just need to find that one extra card, and you may be brainstorming, brainstorm locking yourself, which is when you brainstorm, see the top two top cards, put two back, 
and just know that you have nothing to do for the next two turns, which is a terrible feeling, and that's why you should only cast Brainstorm when you have a fetch land in play, but sometimes you need to do that, because the alternative is to lose. Right. At least you lose knowing there's nothing else you could have done. It's interesting, because in the Delver deck, I'm tempted to cast the Brainstorm on the on their end step because I get the token and I can attack with the next turn. And if I'm kind of playing against like a deck like Miracles where I need to be super aggro, I can't let it I can't let it draw out. I, I that does like that does kind of come to mind. Um, but uh, it's just funny. I was just there's a lot of uh, a lot of play to that card. Um, surprisingly, for something that seems so so simple, you know what I mean. But um, it was it was neat to see different people's take on uh, when when to cast the card. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think that definitely represents one of those times where it is correct to brainstorm end of turn. It's like if your opponent is on three life and you have a young pyromancer in play and nothing else, you're mm-hmm. damn right. Brainstorm at the end of their turn, get that token and swing in for the win. But if yeah. it's not as clear cut as that, that's kind of when your judgment comes into play. You could just play your brainstorm right into the chalice if you got a young pyromancer out, and that's fine. You need yeah. To- yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those cases where it doesn't matter what you get off the brainstorm. All that matters is the token. It could be any instant. Yep. But when you're playing Brainstorm for Brainstorm, that's when you you know you really need to realize what the situation is. And that's honestly just something that comes with playing because yep. once again that falls under the best time to cast Brainstorm depends on what your opponent is playing. If your opponent is playing Bant and isn't running any discard, uh, then yeah, you, you know you're gonna be you, you don't really need to protect your hands like you do against like Grixis Delver or you know Storm especially where they're gonna be trying to pick up part of your hand before comboing off. Right. So yeah, unfortunately, there isn't an easy answer. <laughs> yeah, I just it's just funny because I never really gave it that much thought. You know what I mean? Like never really thought about that impact that it has, like being able to dig deeper and whatnot, and be able to. To being able to brainstorm with a fetch on board is something that I've just recently been able to like kind of comprehend why it's so important. You know what I mean? Well, that was the thing is before the fetch lands were printed, brainstorm was like a mediocre card. Yeah. Like it wasn't that great, and then onslaught rolled around, and all of a sudden everyone was running brainstorm. Right, because you can just rearrange the top of your deck if it, if it's all dead cards or shuffle away lands that you don't need and things like that, right? Yeah, because without a way to shuffle your library, which is why not having a fetch is so bad, you just get to see that you're not doing anything for the next two turns. <laughs> sure. So, you just so it's, either, it's either confirmation of good stuff coming or confirmation of bad stuff coming. But you yeah. have no way of, of changing that, so... Exactly. What What about, uh, I kind of want to ask uh, Andrew and Evan, though, what, what would you guys say are some of the most difficult cards to play with in Legacy? Difficult cards to play with? Let me think about that. I mean, I... Obviously, like, we are, we just covered it, but I'd say Brainstorm is definitely, like, up in the top five of that. Let's see. It's pretty difficult. Still in library is pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's think, Brainstorm every turn. <laughs> right. And and just when to, when to spend life on, on it, you know, and it has a lot of similar functions as Brainstorm as far as fetching and whatnot. I, one, one combo, like, one two-piece combo that uh, I'm, like, kind of really hesitant to ever try and sleeve up is, like, Counterbalance Top, like... That whole, like, concept is just, like, just over my head. I never know, like, when to, like... I mean, obviously, like, I would know, like, when to, like, put cer- certain things on top to counter a spell, but, like, when to, like, float certain things throughout the game. Like, that seems pretty complex to me. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of uh, Justice Yo. is a local player who's really good. He, he's pretty experienced with Counterbalance Top. 
And he was saying, you know, the way you can tell a really good counterbalance player is when they keep the three drop on top of the Croson grip. Oh. Because they go to <laughs> they go to Croson grip it, and you're like, yeah, you can't activate top to find it. And then they just flip the Vendillion click on top, and it's like, I was expecting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, is there a lot of uh, Cabal therapy running around down there? Oh, yeah. We love targeted discard down here. I guess like we could, I'll take that as like an as a segue into like kind of our deal down south. If that's cool with you guys, yeah, to go for it. Um, well, like, well, first off, first and foremost, to address, um, to go ahead and clear the air. Like last, we heard on your podcast that like it was mentioned that like you read articles and like I don't, I didn't want you to think. <laughs> pretty much, uh, Adrian hit the nail on the head. It's like we only know what we hear. And, like, you definitely, out of anyone on the cast, like, represent, like, the status quo. And I think he worded it perfectly already. Like, so, you, you mean, you, t- you, would, you would play, like, an, an omniscience deck, which is, like, I don't really care. You're not the enemy for playing it. Like, you're obviously a good dude for doing the podcast and everything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, like, I don't know. We just, like, down here, like, you know, I guess, I guess I'd probably credit, like, the way that we are due to, like, this dude, Sean O'Brien, who's, like, a, probably, like, you know, one of the older dudes of our scene. He actually has a school of magic named after him, which if you don't know about schools of magic, like any of you guys, like check them out. It's like, it goes way back to like, like the original theory of the game. There's different like schools of magic and he, his, his school was like playing cards like Nether Void and Chains of Mephistopheles and stuff like that. So like, like, yeah, when, when I first started getting back into like cards, uh, I, I met him and like I saw all this wacky stuff he was playing and like he's playing all this, these oppressive strategies. I was like, well, shit, that's what I want to play too, you know? Like, so. I don't know, like, all, all of us down here, like, you'll see a lot of, like, the top-tier decks, but, like, you'll also see, like, some more brews, and it's not at all that we're casual. It's just, like, we're, like, we take, I take, like, the top eight of a Star City or whatever, like, th- like, when it hits, when it was, like, like, four omniscience out of the top eight or whatever, I see that as a challenge, you know? Like, I see, like, what can I sleeve together to beat that, you know, and to, like, to beat whatever else is out there? I, and, like, I don't know, like, we also feel that, like, having a, 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 like, a 75-card deck, like, that's not completely known to your opponent is such a huge advantage. You know, like, like when I sit down to my, to like my opponent who I know like is historically like taking decks completely off the internet and not tweaking them whatsoever, I, I'm like two steps ahead of him on every play that we make, you know, so yeah. like, that, like that's kind of like, like a little bit of the history about where we like, wh- like why we are the way we are or whatever, but like, I just, I don't know, I love Chalice of the Void. Like, I love seeing, seeing people like, Seeing people just frown when I landed. Or <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst. Chalice, Chalice on one is so bad against Del. It's so I should say it's so good against Delver. It's yeah. very rough. That's kind of my spin on like where we stand or whatever, and like like how we got to be the way that we are, you know. So like, if you guys are like, I mean, you guys get SCG opens down there, right? And you guys get some GPs in the area for Legacy. Yeah. Yeah, we travel. Yeah. So now, if you guys are traveling to like a bigger event, like, what are you guys gonna bring for a deck? Because that's kind of what we were talking about last time, um, the episode that actually aired, was that we were talking about, you, you know, TE is, when you look across the, the decks that play at TE, you get a pretty good um, uh, cross-section of, what like, what the prevalent meta is for Legacy, as far as, like, big tournament Legacy, you know what I mean? It's not it's not so specialized, and, and it's not as not nearly as creative, I'd say, as, as your meta is. Do you guys take that into account when you go to bigger events, or are you just going to jam what you know is really good against the top decks and just and just go with it? I mean, like really, like since we I, since we're all all playing different brews, like we're I feel like we're advantageously exposed to more cards and like prepared for different strategies. So like 
whether or not you're going to go to a star city and see a vampire nighthawk like you know you probably won't if you're in, in your nine rounds or whatever the tournament is but like at least you know that like that strategy is there or like you know that like you know how to play against the chalice deck or whatever so like i don't know i'd say that like we don't I, if i'm gonna go to a star city like i'm gonna play something that i know is competitive and like a little bit less brewy but i'm still not gonna play like whatever, like, people are telling me the best deck is, like... Yeah, you're not going to go a net deck, like, one of the top eights from the week before kind of thing. Right, it's just not it's not my personal style, but, like, I don't have anything wrong with that, like, if that's what you want to do or whatever, but, like, I don't know, like, I think a lot of things have changed lately with the Legacy scene. Like, since Star City dropped the Open on Sundays, like, we've been talking about this a lot at our local shop. You know, I mean, it's a 5K now or whatever, but, like, it's, it was, like, a regular, like, Open, you know, how Standard was Saturday, yeah. Legacy was Sunday. Well, like... Yeah. I, I, like, at first, like, I was kind of, like, devastated because I didn't have, there wasn't going to be as much coverage and whatnot. I thought, like, the format was going to dwindle, but, like, really the more I've talked about it with friends and locals around here, like, I think it was a blessing for the scene because it just, it, it like, makes Legacy, like, a brewer's paradise. Like, there's less, like, like, people that were playing in the Sunday Legacy Open, like, half of them probably, like, didn't really want to play Legacy. They were just playing in the tournament because that was what was what was offered, you know? Yeah, and that's kind of why you get into, like, what top-tier decks are, too, then. It was just, like, you know, a certain really good player, you know, playing a different format and is coming in for whatever reason, and they're just not familiar with the format or how to use different ranges of cards. So they're just going to probably win the tournament anyways, no matter which of the three decks they pick. You know, a lot of this is piloting and understanding magic and reviewing the deck and play testing. And I mean, once you get to a certain point, they just have so many people playing certain decks and then you're just kind of stuck somewhere. Yeah. So that's really interesting because it reminds me a lot of, um, when Wizards talked about maybe moving away from modern as a pro tour format and people who really liked modern were bummed, but the people who I think who really understood what it was more about that move was so that the pros weren't driving that meta so hard and, 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 and you know, refining those decks so quickly um, with the new cards. I think that was part of it. Do you think that, like, Legacy has benefited from not being in the spotlight as much? Absolutely. Like, I mean, well, like, by benefit, I mean, like, it's just opened up the format for a little bit more diversity. But, like, mm-hmm. to comment on, like, what you guys said in your last podcast, um, you mentioned, like, um, you know, it's cool that we have, like, a little bit of wonkiness down to our, our meta down here, and it's fun, you know, for a weekly tournament, but, like, when you're, you're playtesting for a big event, um, you're, you you want to play against, like, the top-tier decks, but, like, the thing is, like, mm-hmm. all, we, like, we, we have, like, we had, like, 34 players at our last Legacy tournament, or, like, our weekly or whatever, or, I mean, it wasn't our last one, but the one before that. Regardless, like, we kind of represent a good chunk of the tournament that's going to be at a big tournament, you know? Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, it's hard to say, like, I want to test against, like, Omniscience. I want to test against, like, uh, Grixis Delver or whatever because, like, there's a really good chance that you're going to run into one of our decks at this tournament. So, like, I think having, like, just the, the maxim, maximum exposure to all different strategies is super relevant, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. No, I definitely, I definitely believe in there. There was no, uh, there was no, uh, Jerry, Jerry's, <laughs> Jerry's not sure what made it on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I listened to that episode. You don't listen, listen to it live. You listen to it John, live. I listen to it live, man. <laughs> no, John. <laughs> Celso, Celso was commentating and I'm like, oh, I don't remember all this stuff. I better go back and listen to this. <laughs> so I listened to it again. No, I, I, I definitely didn't take offense. I thought it was all in good fun. And yeah, no, I, I definitely. I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. No, no, I, and I, I do agree with you. know, the, that's how you get good as an overall player is just playing against different strategies and being exposed to different situations so that 
when you see something, you don't have to waste valuable time and energy figuring out what's going on. You can spend that energy figuring out how to beat that what's going on. I think what I was more referring to is getting down to the more like nitty-gritty mechanics of it, where once you already know a good deal about Legacy and already know a good deal about the situations you can run into, it's kind of about perfecting those situations. So now not only do you feel comfortable seeing situations, you also know what the most optimal play in those situations is as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, just to continue the point, too, from, like, Star City Games, like, you know, ending, you know, their their Sunday, you know, big opens is like, you know, we, we were, we were going down to like eight to 10 players here after a while and like having trouble firing some events. And, you know, with the coverage being gone, um, kind of just came up with a good idea of just, you know, with a couple of, of the team Tusk guys of, you know, starting a stream here to have coverage and, you know, just something to watch and something to get people pumped up. And, uh, once we did that, uh, within like two weeks, we start. We went up to about like 15 to 20 players, mm-hmm. uh, and then following that, we moved up to 30 to 35, and now we're at a consistent like you know, like 30 like late 20s to like early 30s plus, depending if it's a real good night or whatnot. But you know, a lot of these guys have come out of the woods now. Like a lot of these old players that you know have binders of great old cars they want to play. And this stream has just gotten a lot of our local guys, like, pumped up to come out and play. Like, guys, some of us have never been met some of these guys, guys from, like, five years ago, or just guys we haven't seen around much, and then also just new players. So, uh like, we really don't care about the notoriety of the stream or whatnot, personally, like, the Team Tusk guys. It's really just to, like, get our stream alive again. And so, like, SCG, like, cutting it down has kind of been a blessing. Like, our local scene is much stronger. We're actually playing Legacy a lot more with more people now. So, like, we, we, we've, we've actually had some pluses from that. Like, just like Andrew said, I was super bummed about it. But, uh, in turn, now we're running, you know, a 25, 35 plus legacy. We have legacy in Atlanta right now, uh, five nights a week. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we have, uh, M legacy. Uh, we have, uh, Super oh. Games, Gigabytes cafe um and and like yeah we're just we're running like some have 10 card proxies some are no proxies um it's pretty cool like you can definitely get around and jump around to different spots you know and play legacy all week if you want we have iqs in the area that people travel out to and whatnot and so we've had it we've we've uh actually kind of like had a strong growth since scg dropped in short which is uh yeah pretty nice yeah, I feel kind of like SCG dropping it. Well, I like what you're saying, like blessing in disguise, yeah. because it almost feels like they broke up the monopoly. Like everyone felt, oh well, SCG does it already, so why would we bother? How can we compete with SCG? And now that SCG has stepped back, and I do like that SCG still is doing Legacy every weekend. They're still posting deck lists, which is all I ever really cared about because I never got a chance to watch the stream because I was I was always playing in a Legacy tournament on Sundays, but. Now that they've stepped back, I feel like, you know, you guys, the South Florida Magic guys, all these different legacy pockets around the country have really stepped up their game and say, well, if SEG isn't going to do it, then we are. Yeah, you got to check out uh, Card Kingdom also is doing it on Monday night. Uh, so that, that's another great one. They're doing legacy now, uh, at least 630. I just saw that, on, uh, yeah, just saw that on their Reddit, I think. Yeah, it was sweet. Yeah, 930 Eastern time on Monday, uh, 630. Over on the west, um, yeah. So and then there's also uh, Wooberg, 
uh, in Chicago that's streaming on Thursday. So, yeah, a lot of people are pushing legacy, paper legacy, thank God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. like, I feel like this, the whole like scene and community like has has become more of like a DIY, like have more of like a DIY approach. Like, if if it's not firing or if things aren't the way they are, the way they, you want them to be, like make them that way. You exactly. know, like that's like that's like what we've done is like we don't like the way things are going. Like we don't like eight man tournaments every week or barely firing. Like like Evan like does graphic design. He like makes a flyer every week to get people stoked on it. Like it always has like old imagery in it or whatever and like we, br- we bring stream equipment so like even if it's like who cares like if, if there's like 15 people watching our stream like the gear is there there's like white boxes and like you know like extra monitors and commentators like people come in they get stoked on it and like word travels pretty fast you know so like it's like i, I don't think that like it's just us that we re- rebuilt the scene but like it's like if you don't like the way things are locally just like just put in some work like yourself instead of like Sitting around pointing fingers and just like you know, re- like trying to do whatever you can to rebuild, like because like results will come as they have in our city. Yeah, that's so awesome, man. That's so great that that there's people like you out there who are building their legacy community. I mean, just just driving like excitement with things like like flyers and, and driving a ton of excitement. I mean, when I went to my first uh, SCG Open and saw what the feature match like kind of camera setup looked like, it was super exciting for me as a player to be like, oh man, look at that, like. You can play underneath those cameras, and like the again, the audience, like you said, might not be that big, but it doesn't really matter because it gives you that kind of that feeling of, I don't know, it's just kind of like that singled out, like time to shine kind of moment, you know? Yeah, and it's it's good practice too. Like if you're actually in a tournament and you're going under cameras, anyone that's played in cameras, it, it does have a little bit more of a tense feeling. Yes. If you're not used to it. Yeah, there's more stress. Like you'll just like trigger small thoughts in your brain. Maybe someone's watching or subconsciously or whatnot. So yep. it's good to get as much practice under cameras and, and actual lighting equipment as you can. Uh, I, I think so personally. We do have some players locally that do request to be on camera as much as we have some that request not to be just, you know, for whatever reason. So, I mean, it, it is, it is a good, it is a good, uh, good, good thing to kind of work out so you're ready for it whenever you get yeah. put into the light. Um, now I haven't got a chance to check out the stream. Do you guys do like the uh, like the so-called like pocket cams or like over the shoulder where you can see someone's someone's hands, or is it just like the overhead cam? Uh, we're just doing the overhead cam and then commentator cams. Um, oh, cool. We're, we're kind of kicking around, and then you know we switch between views and whatnot. We have a graphic interface and whatnot, but uh, we're working towards possibly having like cameras on the players' faces, which. It sounds weird, but like it just seems kind of redundant sometimes when you're just looking at the hands. Um, I always kind of thought that was cool about SCG, just kind of like I don't know, just break up the monotony and kind of see somebody and you know, like, oh that guy looks weird or that guy looks cool. <laughs> I mean, like there's always the great guys in the background. Like I remember. It makes it more entertaining to me for some reason. <laughs> uh, I remember one stream there was Mustache Man where there was this guy with his like epic, epic like old school like Civil War era mustache. <laughs> yeah, magic pumps out some good characters, man. So uh, oh, that's for sure. Yeah. So so you guys want to hear from another good character? Oh, Andrew, you're still on the call. I'm still on the call. Yeah, I know. I've been sitting back all silent assassin shit, man. Sorry, man. You let us talk too long. No, not even too long. So you guys want to hear from another character here? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, speak of the devil, and he appears. (laughs) Are you there, Mr. Celso? Yeah, I'm ready for the segment of Pat Beats Jerry again. (laughs) No. 
damn it, damn it, it's not true. He refuses to play me. It's like some heavyweight boxing match where he gets the title and then he's like, no, nah, I'm going to retire. I'm Fuck ducking like man. I'm ducking so hard right now. I'm never going back to Worcester again. I mean, I've seen the dude. I'm pretty sure he doesn't back down from a fight. <laughs> he backs down from main deck cho- choke and chains him Mephistopheles. That would make me cry for sure. <laughs> So we got uh, Evan and Andrew with us from Atlanta, and Celso was actually the guy telling me about, what the hell was that, Rhea's Bluebird? Yeah, it's a oh. spot. Oh, my God, was that stuff good. Yeah, that's actually like, oh, that's like a mile from us right now, actually. <laughs> or less. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, when I got out there, there was a long line that had me reminded of Carl's, but it was good. <laughs> I like how the yeah. sub-theme of our podcast has been diners across America. <laughs> like, maybe we can get sponsored by the Food Channel. <laughs> it just goes pretty hand-in-hand, hand, you know? Oh, yeah. This no. episode of Leaving a Legacy is sponsored by the Vortex Bar and Grill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fire and ice. <laughs> you, I haven't... Man, I haven't seen you since, what, the SCG Open then, right? No, you haven't seen me since uh, Miss Worcester when I met Jerry. Pretty wasn't sure. That the, wasn't that the... Oh, that wasn't even the SCG Open. Oh, shit, was that before that? No, that was a TE. Yeah, I didn't go to the Open. It was my wife's birthday. Yeah, I haven't seen you in a while then. Because I knew, like, you you were saying, oh, anybody, what, you guys want to get together grab breakfast? I'm like, fuck, man, I'm going to be down south. <laughs> like, which was cool. It's, uh... I was just thinking I hadn't, I hadn't seen you up there in a while. Well, you're busy having some pretty kick-ass pancakes and playing some food chain and, uh, you know, me trolling the Twitch chat. Thanks uh, for you to go uh, on. <laughs> for what? For tu- when were you doing that? At Tuskvision? <laughs> yeah, it's tipped, were you trolling the Twitch chat at Tus? Were you doing that at fucking Tuskvision? I noticed oh, Braden it was a troll, but, but like, <laughs> I was definitely recognized. I noticed Braden right afterwards. He's like, "Yeah, bring Adrian on to talk about food chain." He's talking about Tinvins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's cool. Like we had you down here and like. We know you got like you care a lot about the format by doing this podcast, so like we definitely wanted to have like someone who's just as stoked about legacy, like talking on our stream as well, you know. You know, I love legacy and shit, and unfortunately, it's like the only thing I can talk about because I don't play modern. I have no fucking valid opinion in modern. I don't play standard. I have less of an opinion there. Hashtag like, fuck modern. Yeah, I, I, I saw you. Yeah. I saw you. I saw your little spout on Blood Moon. Uh, <laughs> so single-handedly making. Fuck modern trend on Twitter. <laughs> People think you just hate Neo Deck art. <laughs> well, so, um, I had a so, question for the, uh, the George guys, if you don't mind. No, Um So when you guys do the stream, like, um, who's doing the commenting? Like, I imagine it's a lot of uh, effort to set it up and run it and stuff. Like, do you guys actually get to play, or are you just don't like dedicating all your time to getting the stream going? We. I mean, we, it's, it's typically a pretty good chunk of work. I mean, all in all, we have a lot of guys who are playing. We kind of like switch off. I mean, typically we, like when Adrian came, for instance, we had 34 players, we had two commentators, and we had one spotter. So total we actually had 37. Um, but, and then we switch off. Like we had Morgan Cooper, and he was doing, uh, spotting for us. So what he's doing is going around, he's, he's checking what everyone's playing, finding out what's interesting. Uh, making sure, like, the gear's working all right, the camera's on point, uh, and making sure we have no dead air going if possible. Um, and then we have two commentators. We actually have, you know, a, a, we have, like, probably four guys that actually would like to commentate. Um, they don't all want to do it week after week, so typically kind of switch off. 
But yeah. So what do you? What, that's awesome. Do one of you guys have like a background in uh, communications or broadcasting or anything like that? Uh, no, no, it's all do it yourself. It's actually been pretty tough. Um, just as far as, uh, I mean, everyone's got like a little understanding. Everyone has different backgrounds. We all have like professional careers that maybe kind of touch base a little bit on like different aspects of kind of getting this stream up. But all in all, we're kind of like scratching our heads through a lot of the process, but we've, gotten there over time um it just started out with me just buying like a camera with this guy bj and a couple other tusk guys and uh, a couple headsets took a picture showed the guys they got pumped and we all just started testing and then getting like interface out and stream and it was just got now we have like a big play mat we just got printed out that's like vision official and you know, we update, like, we got the whole interface going. Uh, we have more people interested in helping out now. We have, you know, a whole camera rig that, in the light kit, I keep him in the back of my car, like, every day in my trunk, you know, um, to, to make sure it all happens, you know. And if I can't do it, then I switch it off. I mean, we're, Team Tusk is pretty tight. Like, we're all real close, and we'll take, you know, people will cover the other people if someone's busy with whatever, pass off. Like, Andrew lives a block away from me, so that makes it easy as far as handing off equipment and getting it somewhere else. But there's just little things, little niches that you get when your camaraderie and other people in the community are interested in helping out. And eventually you just get there, you know. You just you just kind of have to just jump in and just work it out, you know. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's awesome. It's obviously very much a labor of love. I think it's so, so great that you guys are doing that, man. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're diehard legacy enthusiasts and we want it, we want it to go. Yeah, like, I, I, there's kind of a parallel with the, with this podcast. You know, like Adrian said something when he was down here and we were eating at the tournament that like, I just wanted to learn how to use new programs and this and that. So like, mm-hmm. same thing for us, you know, like we just wanted to learn how, how to use, like we use OBS or whatever and like, we wanted to learn how to like not have delay or not have lag, you know. It's like it's just like cool to like learn new things along the way. So like it's the same thing with you guys, you know. Yeah, and I, and I know for me too. Part of it was, you know, I mean, I I love Legacy. It's really uh, it's the only format that I actually play. It's yeah. uh, sometimes I'll do sealed to draft, but like it's the only format that I actually enjoy. And um, but when I when we started doing the podcast, a lot of it was that there was another podcast I used to listen to that stopped releasing on Mondays. And I like to just offer something to people on a Monday. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're, we're, we're real thankful. There's a lot of Atlanta people that listen. And wow, I, cut I, the shit. <laughs> I remember I was looking at MT. Like I, I, like, I started at Beta, and then I quit, like, during the Chronicles 4th Edition fiasco, you know, Fallen Empires. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Richard, Richard Garfield kind of like stepped out and everything. Like my, my local store had quit back then and everything. A lot of people got out, but I come back recently, long story short, and it was real hard to get back into it. And like, seriously, like the, like the Leaving a Legacy podcast and, um, Everyday Eternal were like yeah. huge helps. Like, like big, big, big thanks to those two podcasts. Like definitely like, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know you're like pretty bashful about the stream, but like, it's apparent that like people listen to it, you know? I'm like, you don't have to act like that's not the case. Like what? <laughs> but like, podcast? Yeah, yeah, like your podcast. Like yeah. people listen to it, you know? But like, I don't know. Well, there's a thing with that, right? Is if I actually acknowledge people listen to it, I, I become a fucking idiot and I stop <laughs> talking to you. I stop talking to you like a normal fucking person, which is all I am, man. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's just like, you know, me and Jerry, we hang out, we talk, and, uh, you know, and, and obviously, 
I like to think that Pat only listened to one episode before he met us at Miss Worcester. Um, I, I Celso only acknowledges it because I've met him in person before we even started recording it. Like, I don't, like that's I, I don't I don't know that Celso listens to it. I know Celso plays Legacy. Hey. It's cool enough for me. No, it, well, no, the thing is, like, I don't I, like. Obviously, people listen to it. I had a guy from Australia send me an email that I swear too much. Like, I, I acknowledge that people listen to it. I just like to forget that they do. You don't want to get hung up on it kind of thing. Yeah. I absolutely. Mean, I mean, absolutely. I absolutely. It's a little ironic that a guy from Australia got on to you about cussing too much, you know? <laughs> well, he, he wasn't, no, he wasn't, like, bad. He was just like, you know, you could, of course, put out whatever you want. I just want to let you know it is a little hard to listen to. And I'm like, no, I appreciate your feedback, and I'm curious to see where it goes from here. I think a week later, me and Jerry are fighting about some fucking card somewhere. And I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, this is just labeled explicit. <laughs> yeah, well, like, you I, could, I can definitely say that if it wasn't for this podcast, like, first of all, I was floored when you guys were like, oh, you want to come on and record? I'm like, Ab- I was a, it was a really fun opportunity for me to do it because I've been wanting to do something creative with some of my free time in relation yeah. to magic. But if it wasn't for if it wasn't for your podcast, man, I I'm not kidding. I would not have played. I would not have gotten into Legacy. I would not have even given it a second thought. So I put all I put all that responsibility on you. Well, no, we've been sure. talking. Me and me and Jerry said this like fucking early too. I, I don't I don't think we ever thought this like was in our podcast thing. Like that's that's what makes this whole fucking charity thing. It's not like this isn't shit that we're doing. Like this is fucking Kyle. This is Ian. This is John. This is fucking Evan. Yep. Like this isn't this isn't my podcast. This is this is what the community actually is. Like yep. and that's what it, that's what I was talking about earlier. That's what makes that's what fills my fucking heart with gratitude is to acknowledge that these are the people that I like to play with. Yep. You know, like that's anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. I feel like that's, like, part of the appeal of you guys' podcast is, like, you're not, I mean, no offense, but you're not, like, big names, you know, you're not, like, writing... Not at all. Why would I take offense? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually a pop star in South Korea, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, just, like yeah. you're just common dudes with a passion for the format, and, like, that's what I want to hear. Like, I don't want to hear the same guy talking about the same, like, ideas that have been passed down, like, to him. It's just, like, I just want to yep. hear, like, normal dudes, like, reflecting on the game and, like, their local scene or whatever, and, like... That's like, I, like, everybody can really relate to that. So, like, that's what makes me keep listening to it. Well, then let me ask you guys this, because I'm actually curious. What do you think is the is the scariest, what's your best impression out of Days Undoing? <laughs> oh. Out of nowhere, just Days Undoing, go. Throne. Well, <laughs> Throne is the answer. <laughs> no, I mean, I like, the, the idea to, like, refuel, refuel the hand on a burn deck is fucking, you know, that's pretty scary to me. Yeah, that uh, sounds pretty good. I don't know, I mean, like, I really like that guy's affinity deck, because, like, you can just cast it to bait a counterspell if you want, just to drop your Tezzer next turn or whatever, you know? But I don't know, like, I guess, I think ultimately it's gonna find a home in some sort of, like, storm deck or whatever. Sure. And any, any, any cards that you've been seeing out of the new set that you're kind of excited to try to brew with yourself? I like, uh, Vren Wingmare or whatever. It's like a Glow Rider with, uh, flying. Are you familiar with it? Is yeah. that like the, Th- the Thalia Flyer? Yeah, yes. yeah, I know. It's like the okay. it's like a three drop like two one flyer that like taxes like non creature spells or whatever. Mm-hmm. I like that one, and I like that magma whatever, like the agrolome kind of enchantment. Yeah. I'm okay, like seismic too. assault soda. Yeah, that that seems like it could be interesting. I mean, just like just the fact that it costs one red, like it leads me to believe it's going to have some utility somewhere down the road. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot like a lot of playable cards. Like we already named Shaman of the Pack, Days Undoing. Um, let's see what else was. Uh, there's actually an artifact that I like. Oh yeah, he like Evan really likes the false cure deck or whatever. So there's like that. Oh yeah. Part. 
And, uh, there's like a five drop artifact that's like kind of like a witchbane orb, but it costs one more and it like prevents damage dealt to you from like, from like one drop or like, you know, like one power creatures. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. It's like reduced the amount of damage that it's kind of like a, a, a new age force field. Yeah, I mean, just, like, the set just has, like, some flavor. I mean, I'm not going to say that, like, these are going to be, like, staples of the format too much, but, like, right. definitely playable cards in the set. And it's, like, I finally, like, I'm not going to complain about Wizards not throwing us a bone, like, in the Legacy community, because, like, there's definitely some things that are sparking my interest. Yeah, mm-hmm. a couple cards for Enchantress, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Would you, would you say that Origins is maybe the most important set in Legacy since, uh, I don't know, I would say that, Pat. In fact, I feel like I have been saying that. Well, see, the thing is, the thing is, Jerry, I don't think Pat asks you. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. an open-ended question. There I am, speaking out of turn again. Uh, here we no, go from it. humble pie to who asked you, Jerry? <laughs> I know, Celsa. See, Adrian is humble. I'm the devil's advocate of this podcast. <laughs> no, the thing is, um, here was here was something else, Evan. Uh, just to catch you guys up too, because I fucked up last week's podcast. Um, so when I played Merfolk, I actually tried Monastery Siege and replaced a one standstill. I did end up giving that a shot. I don't know if you guys have uh, played that at all down there or seen anybody screwing around with that. I haven't seen anybody play it in Legacy down here, but it's definitely found its home in, like, modern Merfolk. I think it's a sweet card. I mean, it's got two sides to it, so, like, it only costs three, just one blue, so it's not heavy, heavily, like, blue-dependent. So, like, yeah. I don't I don't see a reason not to try it in Legacy. Yeah, it was. I, I stuck it in as a one of just to replace one standstill and just see what I thought. And the versatility was awesome. The card filtering was awesome. The the ability to protect my creatures and close the game out was awesome. It was. Um, I was pretty impressed. I just didn't know if you guys had been seeing it all. No, nah, not too much. But like the thing about it, like when they, even when they throw us one bone, I say it's just one card in a set. Like if that's if that will fit into a deck that I'm that I, like I, I play or I used to play it'll make me want to sleeve it up again just like to mm-hmm. see a fresh card in your deck like brings back that excitement to play it again yeah yep what about you Celso what have you been playing lately um I think the two decks that I've been focusing on a lot are mud which uh, Pat gave a, a slice of that last week and, and thanks to Adrian I bought myself a foil copy of Caltrops <laughs> <laughs> Hey, sometimes you just don't want to lose to a young pyromancer and company, you know? <laughs> sometimes you just want to watch your opponent go out. It's obscure, but fuck. <laughs> yeah, more obscure than Chorus of Portal, that's for sure. <laughs> Dude, that card's so awesome. I just actually played, I play Mud regularly or whatever, and, like, I've played it to some mild success, and if you go on, like, the source page or whatever, I've got, like, a tournament report on their primer or whatever, if you want to check it out, but, like, uh, I really like the deck a lot, and Coercive Portal is just one of those cards that, like, is exactly what I was referring to, like, a couple minutes ago. Like, like okay. when I see that card in my deck when I'm riffling through it, like, I just want to play it again. And, like, the thing right. is, like, you cast yeah. it, your opponent has no idea what it does, they read through it, they think about it for a while, and like, yeah, it resolves, but, like, that card is so backbreaking, though. Yeah, I gotta interrupt oh, yeah. then here, because what is it? Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so it's from Conspiracy, it's a mythic, okay. it's a four-drop. It's one of the Will of the Council cards, so basically... You can either vote to blow up all non-land permanents and you sack that, or you vote to draw a card. And if the vote's tied between the two things, you draw a card. So basically, it's four mana draw a card. I'm having so flashbacks like, of you explaining that card to me when we played. <laughs> yes. So like, so before, like, one of the big things with mud, I'm sure you know my my buddies can back me up here. With mud, like card draw, card selection, it was a real big challenge for the deck. 
and then they print Staffanin, which is a good card, but it costs six. So then you think of cheaper options, and then you have cards like Trading Post, which is fine, I mean, but you have to sacrifice an artifact to draw a card. You can also get Revokered and can't deal with it. Then you got Ball Cloister at the four drop slot, which is not a bad card either. Protects you from discard, but the, but it's an awful feeling where you go like, alright, play that, untap, and your opponent just goes like, um, something like Maelstrom Pulse, or what's the other will, the count, uh, Council's Judgment, get rid of your cloister, and now you lost your whole hand. It's miserable. This is just, oh, go ahead, sorry. Uh, it's miserable, I was just agreeing with you, like, that's happened to me, like, someone just ancient grudges your cloister when your whole hand's behind it, and you just lose everything. Yeah, or even like, you know, upkeep trigger, get your hand back, stifle. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it's just like, it's oh, brutal. <laughs> that is another use of stifle. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now it's just like, you get four mana, draw a card, and it's, it's much, much more efficient to play that over something, some of these other options. Although, there is a trading post story I'll get to when the time's right. But, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Another card I've been That's like a one or two up now for me. Another card I've been really stoked on jamming in the deck is the Ugin, the Planeswalker. It's just insane. Like, oh my, oh my god. god, somebody yeah. let me ultimate it. <laughs> and that's the point. <laughs> Evan and I played against each other on Sunday in the top eight of this tournament, and he left. And I, like the game like went on forever. It was game three or whatever, and I ended up ultimating um, Ugin, and he just looks over at me and he goes. That was pretty underwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> it was just lands. He grabbed a ton of lands and like a forge master. Out of, out of curiosity, I don't know if any either one of you guys have tried this. I know one of my uh, Aaron was playing around with Ugin, and he, he was screwing around with Painter Servant also, and then like minus zero Ugin and blow up all lands, and then just keep everything off the board through a Trinisphere. Yeah, well, just keep lightning bolting them till they're dead or something. Yeah, he just kept blowing up lands. People couldn't cast anything, and he just attacked with a painter servant. Yeah, or I'm saying like, oh, does it destroy Ugin as well? Uh, no. no, he costs eight. Yeah, so so you, so you minus zero and you're blowing up lands, but because they're all colored because of the painter servant. And then just keep using his plus ability and just dealing them three every turn for their death. Yeah, yeah, he was doing. Yeah, I think he was doing both, but he was. Uh, I just didn't know if you guys have been screwing around with painter servant with Ugin. That at is. All. Dirty. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that. That's awesome. You know, I I'm, may have to brew. <laughs> I bought into um, uh, Imperial Recruiters recently, like non-foil ones. This was like, I think the cards is awesome. Yeah. And I played Painter Servant for like a couple weeks. I'm like, just like I said earlier in this cast, like I lose faith in decks, but like that, like we have so much Chalice of the Void floating around, and I'm usually the one casting it. <laughs> and like this particular night, like it was my opponent casting against me, and like that deck can just not beat Chalices very much. Like if they're just playing Chalices and Revokers and whatnot, like like they just revoke your Grindstone times three or whatever, you just can't hang with it, you know. So like I, I shelved the deck for a minute. Oh, well, See, now you get doing... to put together a Lurin. You're one of the few people on the planet that can actually sleeve up a Lurin. Not, I don't get to put together. I have it together. Oh, oh. man. <laughs> See, when I was doing, when I was doing Pain of Servant Grindstone, I was doing like a mono white version with land tax and scroll rack. And I was talking to somebody about, uh, Abolish the other day. Um, which worked decent with land tax because you can blow up an artifact by discarding a planes. Oh, yeah. So if you got like a pithing needle naming a grindstone, you can still get around that. You could actually, because abolish cost three, you can get rid of a chalice that was dropped early. Yeah, you'll see abolish in like random uh, vintage like white weenie sideboards. Okay. Huh. See, I don't, I don't, 
I don't check into enough vintage because it takes me so much just to learn everything that I'm learning about Legacy. Yeah, I mean anything with an alternate casting cost like could could <laughs> have, have a place in vintage. Sure, sure. I do. I still I still want to take Fury of the Horde and play it in Legacy. The um, modern modern attack another turn that they do on Tin Fins and Modern. I gotta look that one up. Oh, Fury of the Horde? Yeah. Oh my god, it's it makes the modern deck... that The modern version of the deck is the most powerful thing I've felt in modern. Like, it feels it feels the most like Legacy, piloting that thing. Um, well, before Grizzle Brand, though. Like that yeah, well, I haven't played... I haven't, play, I haven't played Nourishing Shoal. And, and, yeah, you know, Fury is sweet. Just keep attacking, drawing, attacking, drawing. <laughs> yeah, so like, I, I, I want to do that in Legacy. Yeah, it seems seems pretty sweet. I mean, I guess you'd have to have a lot of cards in your hand to get it going, though. Well, you're using Grizzlebrand. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you're drawing cards, you're pitching Simeon <laughs> Spirit Guide, and, like, a Lightning Bolt, and drawing another seven, because you're attacking again. Man, you and Grizzlebrand are pretty tight, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we were in prison once, and I had to make him breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> no, Grizzle, uh, yeah. I used to, when I was a kid, I used to, like, Lord of the Pit. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, Force of Nature was a close second, and now I'm looking at, like, Grizzlebrand's just better, and World Spine Worm is, uh, better than Force of Nature. Yeah. I still, I still want to sneak attack World Spine Worm in. You know, Evan and I were talking recently, just joking around the other night, we were like, we should buy in a show and tells and just show in Lord of the Pit, just for laughs. <laughs> I was actually tempted to show in Lord of the, um, yeah. what is it, what's the fucking Elder Dragon? Nicol Bolas? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just smack somebody discard a hand and like not worry about the upkeep anyway. Use some stupid dragon card out of this recent dragon set and see if I get it back or whatever. Yeah, it'd be cool to do a deflecting palm in response. <laughs> 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 that is actually cute. With with that I'm gonna take it a little sideways because I heard a little inkling earlier. Uh I did I hear it was it Evan or Andrew, who is a fan of Priestess of Titania, or a Priestess yeah, of Aragoth, yeah. <laughs> not Titania. <laughs> yeah, I love the talk. I have, I've been working with a little brew called Green Juggernauts, um, and it's kind of like... Nice. Yeah, it's kind of a land destruction deck, actually, so I'm running, uh, you know, I obviously have like a big fetch land package, uh, and then I'm also running City of Traders, uh, Ancient Tomb, uh, and then I'm running Four Mox Diamonds, Chalice, Factories... Uh, and then, uh, Green Sun, uh, Decays, Loam, Libraries, One Death Right, some Balaths, uh, Rex Age, two Titanias, and then three Ice Storms and two Sinkholes. So, what I'm doing is, like, when, when a trigger goes off, you know, I knock out, like, a City of Traders, you know, bring back a fetch, and then I fetch, get double trigger off that. Attack with Mishra's Factory, they block that. I might get a trigger off of that. Uh, Mox Diamonds work real well with it too, but a lot of the land destruction, Wasteland, Ice Storm, Sinkhole, just really slows them down and with the Chalice as well. So I basically get there eventually. Um, but it's been doing real good. The Soul Lands kind of activate like K-Grip and uh, like uh, the Rex Age, Ice Storm, Titania, Green Sun. So it's got some good ramp to it. Uh, and then, actually, this this weekend, I sinkholed my own ancient tomb, and my opponent force willed it. <laughs> Value. <laughs> well, here's wow. a more important question, though. If you play green, are you playing seed time? Because that's what we want to know. Yeah, that's I mean, our pet card. 
it, it's it's pretty good card. I mean, my my sideboard is like I guess like taking an extra turn isn't really as helpful as like having like Trinisphere or Cage or Choke or or like a Deed or Python Needle or something like that. But I like I like Seed Time. I mean, I love trolling blue, so you know, <laughs> it is right up my alley. But it's at the same time, I just don't know if it's really worth the spot. Like an extra turn is really going to take this deck there. On all circumstances, um, but sorry, I mean, Jerry. <laughs> it, it, it is it is a good. Oh, no. Someone actually, it, it just it needs it needs the right deck, you know. So, someone actually came up to me on Sunday because they saw I was running the lands deck, and they're like, "Oh, are you running Seed Time?" And I'm like, "Oh, I forgot that card existed. No, I totally should be." <laughs> yeah, like a deck like Infect would probably have more advantage with a card like that, you know, because they're they're just they're, they need that to just take out their opponent. They, they'll go in for the kill. Or this deck has a little more grind to it, like you know, Wasteland you, Wasteland you, Ice Storm you. Chalice. Are you running Crucible of Worlds? Uh, I have one in the sideboard, and I have one Loam in the main board. Okay. I, I was just unsurprised. I, I always felt a little bit that I was afraid of running out of lands. Like, when you're sa- self-sacking your own lands, I always get a little bit nervous. That's why I can never play, like, a self-mill strategy, because yeah. I always figure I'm going to mill myself too much. <laughs> it, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I have, like... Uh, you know, extra city of traders, like three of them, and some ancient tombs. So I'll kick those out in the mox diamonds pretty early. Uh, it's really gauging your lands. You know, Sylvan Safekeeper is real good in the deck, um, obviously to protect Titania, and then just you can blast all your lands if you want, um, and then just throw out all the tokens. Um, but as far as like getting the lands back, I mean, once you have Titania going and you get enough tokens. It, and, you know, you have a gauge of where they're at. It, it's pretty oppressive, like, when you have, like, four juggernauts out, you know. Like, I had a guy, he had Delver flipped, and he had Tassiger, and I had nothing, and I drew Titania. Then when it got back to me, and it was time for combat, I had three five threes in Titania, you know. And he was blocking, <laughs> he blocked a Tassiger, Chum blocked one of my tokens, that's when I sinkholed my own land. He forced the will. Then I just dropped the fetch land, fetch, and got Holy the token. Shit. Oh, God. My <laughs> <laughs> uh, brain yeah. hurts. <laughs> I love me some Titania. She's, she's pretty sweet. Yeah, Mox Diamond just gives you an, a way to kill a land if you want. You know, the City of Traders, Mishra's Factory. Um, there's, there's some fun ways to play with the deck, but you know, it, again, that's not something I'd probably just like run up to SCG with, but it's fun to play the deck, keep shaving it, and kind of figure out some new strategies with it, talk to other guys, and you know, we all love tight, a lot of guys around here love titanium, love to see her be good, and the only way she's ever gonna find a home is if people try to brew, you know? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I kind of Jerry, you'll have to put the list in the show notes. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Good. That, that kind of reminds uh, yeah. Uh, you know, like, it just, that, that brings me to, like, what do you, what are you playing Legacy for? You know, like, why, well, you know, like, what is, what's the end game for you? And, like, really, like, our weekly is, I guess, like, th- that's, like, what we care about because, like, there's only, like, like, two, three, four, like, big events a year. So, like, I want to beat everyone at my local shop. I mean, I know how to beat everyone at a Star City or whatever, but, like, you know, like, we're not really gearing up to, like, play the top-tier decks because we're only, you're only going to see, like, those decks, like, four times at these big tournaments, you know? So, like, we just want to beat each other mainly, you know? Hmm. That's interesting. See, we get so many events around here that are close by. 
Yeah. It'd be a little like, different if we had that situation, but like, I mean, like last year we got lucky and we had three star cities that had legacies on them. And then this year they, we got the shaft and they gave us one. <laughs> and then so like, as far as our big legacy tournaments, like we don't have any, like we have our weeklies, which is like why we were so passionate about building it because like that's pretty yeah. much all we have. And then they're like, there is like a big tournament. They have like an IQ up in like North Georgia. It's like two hours drive for us. And it's like a Star City IQ, which like we couldn't care less about the prize they're offering. But it's just like that's that's all we got. So like we're driving for it and like there'll be like maybe like like fifty people in that, like if we're lucky. So like we don't have it like quite as good as the Northeast does as far as big events. Yeah, I think the Northeast is like I mean as far as from an outsider's perspective, I feel like the like the Northeast is kind of a stronghold of like eternal magic in general. Yeah, well, it's it's even a little bit south from us because I feel the real center is like Philly and New Jersey because that always seems to be where they choose for the East Coast GPs, uh, where Eternal Weekend is every year. It's yeah, you know, we're excited. Right. Yeah, you guys going to Eternal Weekend? Yeah, Team Tusk is going up there pretty deep. Hell yeah, I'm, I'm, I need to rent my hotel still, but I also plan on being at that. Yeah, if any of you guys are going to be up there and uh, you just spot one of us, be sure to, like, come up and meet us in person, and, like, um, since we can, like, put a put a face to a name. Yeah, we wear team yeah. shirts, so bright orange, black. Uh, I know. We keep talking about getting uh, leaving a legacy T-shirts. Well, do we? Yeah, I do. That's very too. It's cool. Oh, I mean, it's, it's pretty, like, simplistic, but, like, you know, rep your set, you know? Like, if you, like, you stand for something, like, wear it on a shirt and, like, let people know what you're about. I just think it's, like, pretty cool to have, like, that, like, little bit of, like, friendly rivalry at these big events, you know? Yeah, and if someone kind of, like, someone scrubs out, then you can go cheer on your friends, you know? And, like, I, I don't know, just builds, like, good camaraderie and just makes your whole time a lot better in general. It really, like, we, we have a blast, for sure. Like, uh, we just recently went up to, uh, a bunch of us went up to Charlotte, and it was a modern event, and none of us play a modern, really. So we just play legacy side events and just had a blast, like, hanging out and, uh, you know, just that camaraderie can really make a trip go a lot farther. Yeah, especially, you know, when, when one of your buddies is making it into the, the top seeds, uh, you kind of turn into a, a pit crew. Because uh, when I topped uh, SCG, the only way I made it there was because in between my rounds, my buddies Mike and Dan, they were, like, getting me water bottles. They, like, ran to the food court to grab me food so I didn't pass out. That's cool. Um, so, like, you definitely wouldn't be able to make it as far as you can as if you have, like, a support crew with you, you know, cheering you on and also just, you know, Human needs are taken care of. Very cool, yeah. Yeah, we, we, uh, we're going up to Eternal Weekend. Um, uh, some of us are going up to, uh, GP, uh, Seattle Tacoma, Gen Con Legacy. Uh, and then some of us are going up to Gen Con as well. Uh, this weekend that's going on. So anyone who's not going, definitely try to head up there and get in some vintage and some legacy. Yeah. Have you still, have you still been thinking about Seattle, Jerry? Uh, thinking about it, because I was going to Paris, but that plan fell through, so I have the time off, so I'm thinking about it, I might as well take it, but uh, I don't know yet. That's so far and away, I can barely play, play an eternal weekend, let alone Seattle. Hmm. Do you guys edit out a lot of stuff, like... like oh, you'll notice. <laughs> okay. From, like, an outsider's perspective, like... I love long podcasts because, like, I'll listen to them at work or going to sleep or something. And oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, I love thirty minutes. It just doesn't hit it or forty-five. Well, no. I mean, well, you've you've seen so you've seen the. Le- I mean, you've heard the length of the cast anyway. 
Sometimes it's long. Yeah. Sometimes it's short. Even when it's short, it's probably like an hour. Maybe I think Jerry, we probably did one a little bit over an hour. Yeah, you get like, great at it. Yeah. Well, we we probably if we record two and a half hours, it probably ends up at two. And it usually ends up too because it took me eight to edit because I like to listen to long podcasts. So like by the time I edit, by the time I post it, it's it's something that I'm okay to listen to. Like like I I won't put out something. It's kind of like I don't like to put out something that I wouldn't listen to in a similar way that I wouldn't want to talk about a deck I know nothing about. You know what I mean? Right. Like it like the thing about editing a cast is if you won't listen to your own cast, why the fuck would anybody else? It probably sounds like garbage. It's funny. I, I, I wish we could go back and get the original recordings right around when uh, Bird and Genie was edited, because I'm pretty sure we like had to edit out half of that podcast because we didn't want to get sued for slander. <laughs> I or maybe I'm you sure just that I remember that. <laughs> Such a rage. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel it also depends on how self-conscious we get you know there'll be times we'll be talking or just like no nah, that was that was stupid edit that out don't don't include that <laughs> well, there's, there's some of that there's sometimes like you know i mean it's me and jerry talking it, it's really that's all this really is it's like me and jerry fucking talking i like to forget that anybody's listening so it's just me and jerry talking including but, some, but well, yeah. he also likes to forget well, that i'm here sometimes well, no, no. but no, even with that even with that sometimes we're talking and some shit that's actually just personal has to hit the cutting room floor yep Yep. It's just the way it is. Yeah, that makes and, sense. So I mean, it, it's um, you know, by the time by the time it goes out, I've probably listened to it three, four times. That's right. I think you mentioned that in Atlanta. That's right. Yeah, if it's something that I'm not going to want to listen to, why would anybody else want? It? And at the same time, if I've listened to it four times and it sounds alright for me to listen to after the fourth fucking time, <laughs> then hopefully it's something that can make somebody else's Monday, hopefully better than it would have been without it. Right. You know? Yeah. You guys do it. Oh, that's cool. I appreciate that. See, I just can't stand the sound of my own voice. So. Yeah, I know. It freaks Jerry out. <laughs> I think that's everybody, yeah. <laughs> nah, it's cool. It's cool, but yeah. Um, what else? Anything else going on, then? Shit, it's already 10 o'clock. What do you guys... What about the ban list? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I was really hoping Gorio's Vengeance would get banned in Modern. Yeah. yeah I think I think the, uh, the idea behind... The argument that I've heard why there were no changes was because they actually wait to get closer to the Pro Tour to check out the format right. versus them focusing on it now. So um, I I think we'll see some changes probably closer to the Pro Tour, but we'll see. I mean, Modern I seems like a pretty balanced format, right? I mean, we'll I want to see unbannings. I want unbannings in all formats. Yes, I agree. I mean, without wish, without like making this into like a wishful thinking speech, like what could reasonably be taken off the legacy of craft? Like, yeah, why is Earthcraft banned? There is no reason for that to be banned. Would you rather have a show and tell or an Earthcraft? Yeah, yeah one of them is banned. <laughs> what, is Earth, what does Earthcraft do? Uh, it's a, a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> one colorless, green, green, enchant land. Tap the lands, put a 1 1 squirrel into play. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> it's banned. It's banned in Legacy. Oh, you know when you use that with an Arbor Elf and an Intruder Alarm, that's pretty bad. Yeah, but there are so many <laughs> better combos. Yeah, there's just such better things to be doing in Legacy. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. <laughs> I'm just surprised they thought of an infinite combo that quick. Oh, well, and it's look, not it's even actually... three. You just you combine it with Earth, uh, Earthcraft and Squirrel Nest. That's the combo, right? Oh, okay. Like, so you enchant the land, you make the squirrel, you tap the squirrel, you untap the land that has earthcraft or uh, squirrel nest. 
Oh, yeah, I actually combined those in my mind, because when Pat asked what Earthcraft did, I just described both text of Squirrel Nest. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, Earthcraft is actually one colorless, one green, tapped on an uncrapped creature you control, untapped target basic land. Yeah, it's, oh, okay. it's a pretty nutty combo. <laughs> yeah, you get infinite one-one squirrels. For, all tapped. Yeah. All, all tapped. Well, yeah, I mean, you just EOT make the squirrels in have it kill him. I'd play Earthcraft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or like Black Vice. That card can Actually, probably come off. Now that you mention it, I guess Earthcraft Squirrel Nest would just end up being like a legacy version of Splinter Twin? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. It's nothing to be afraid of as far as everything else is going on. No, are they all one ones? Yeah. Right. right. So it's also the entire com- Yeah, and the entire combo can be abrupt decayed. Yeah, and okay, your yeah. explosives. And also, feed. like you, you either have to wait for your like your next combat, or you have to have like some sort of spell that like can deal damage equal to the amount of creatures you have. It's like it just needs too many pieces to be good. <laughs> Jerry's been playing Rakdos Charm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. But of course, it's sold out now because every time band, band announcement rolls around, people buy out Earthcraft because they're just waiting for the one time it gets unbanned and spikes. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you that, like, they like they haven't really thought out the band list, like, too much, like, in, as of recent, because, like, I mean, think about, like, land tax. Like, that's really not even seeing any play right now, and it was removed a while back. Like, World Gorger Dragon, not even being played right now, and how long was that guy on the band list, you know? Well, Wu-Tang played that. Yeah. It's just, like, they need to rethink that, and, like, I mean, I could go on and on about that and the reserved list, but that's, that's, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. yeah. Only only reason I would be nervous about Earthcraft is it would probably make elves that much better because you can tap an elf to untap a Gaia's Cradle. But now that they changed the legend rule, that's not even that good anymore because you can just play a second Gaia's Cradle and have the same effect. Well, actually, Earthcraft says untap target basically. Oh yeah, actually, never mind. That no fears, no fears at all about that then. Yeah. I I just don't think they care. Like not that they. They don't give two craps about legacy, but like, if they if you put a priority list on things that Watsy needs to care about, it's pretty far down. Like, oh yeah, totally. They I mean, need, yeah, they need to make cards that don't suck. Then they gotta make sure that like future future no, league no, doesn't one, flip shit. Like, number one is they need to make the stockholders happy. I mean, I, I would want to say this about like, there's a lot of people that say like like Wizards doesn't care about legacy at all, and like you can just basically. Just say that that's a fallacy right off the bat. Just because of like MTGO, like there is a legacy format online, and if that completely breaks down, they will lose people. Like if the format just becomes completely broken, they they will have to deal with it if everyone just stops like wanting to play it because of something. Like they they do they have to keep an eye on it. It's not the size of the other formats by any means. But they do pay attention. There's a ton of Wizards employees that play Legacy, a ton that play Vintage. They love the formats. Like, to say that they just don't care, like, no employees there care is just, it's it's, it's kind of weird to say that. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're, sure, there's, there's financial. I mean, of course, they want to sell packs. They want to draft, standard. Like, that's definitely the number one target for sure, but... I, I just cannot agree with the idea that they just like throw their arms in the air and just won't pay any attention to it at all. They're, I mean, that that day's undoing card has blue belts written all over it with Randy Bueller. You know, like 
his wife works there. You know, there's just a lot of little things that I think people aren't fully realizing that, like, there are Wizards employees that love Eternal formats. They don't, they're not all just standard junkies, you know. And and we have, we have a new Eternal expansion coming out next year. We'll see what happens with that. You know, like, Conspiracy is, it might be a drafting set, but is the Eternal expansion. Like, you cannot play, you cannot play those cards in Modern. You cannot play them in Standard. Therefore, Eternal formats. And that is what's going to happen this next summer too. So uh, it, there will be new cards in those sets for Eternal format. So I, I you know, I, I just can't fully hear the argument that they just, you know, just throw up their middle fingers at Legacy. It, it, it just, yeah, I yeah think, I'm not going that say- far, but I just don't think it's high enough on their priority list to really investigate and take the time that Watsi typically does to make a sound decision on whether to ban or unban a particular card. Like, uh, I think I, the best example we have recently is Treasure Cruise. Like, we had a GP that had lots of Treasure Cruise going on. They were there. They were observing it. They had a lot, lot of stuff to look at, which is right in front of them, to make a decision. All right, we'll go ahead and hack Treasure Cruise. But, like, at this point of the year where we have a standard Pro Tour, I just don't think that it's high enough on their list to really, you know, put much effort into considering, all right, do we ban top? Do we, you know, maybe unban Earthcraft? Do we do this? Do we do that? Like, it's just, I don't think that there's enough resources there to care about everything at the effort that they want to do it to make a decision whether to ban or unban a particular card. You know what, though? I would be surprised if they don't have people that they trust to inform them on on what's going on in Legacy. Like, outsource, like, you know, people who follow the Legacy metagame, I wouldn't be surprised if they talk to people and get their opinions on it and then decide if something is a strong enough reason to, to change something, you know? I think it's I think it comes down to it's the squeaky wheel uh, gets the oil because you're more way more likely to get a card banned because when a card gets banned, it's them effectively saying, this card is a problem, we made a mistake, and everyone won't let us forget it. Whereas getting a card unbanned, I feel it's not anything that comes up. No one's just like, Sending angry emails to Watsi on a daily basis every time Earthcraft <laughs> doesn't top eight <laughs> compared to you know oh man another top eight without Earthcraft how dare they <laughs> uh, whereas like Treasure Cruise you know there it was coming in every top eight and they're like yep this is a problem and no one will let us forget that this is a problem so we need to do something right now it's more of an afterthought once you know Watsi employees are very busy and I'm sure. Once they get, once it comes down to it, they're like, okay, I got all this other stuff down. Maybe now I can put some thought into this extracurricular thing that doesn't have a deadline, aka getting a card unbanned. Because there's never going to be a deadline on when they have to unban a card. Right. I think it just they they kind of get just gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Do you guys have any opinion on something that you think should be taken out of Legacy? Uh. That's a tough, tough decision because um, like Legacy is historically not a format where like you're you're pulling a lot of cards out of playability. Like I think most things could should can like naturally figure it figure themselves out or whatever. But like I don't know. I, I think that like the printing of True Name Nemesis was a mistake. Even though like uh, that card like you can work around it now and it's not like too backbreaking. Like it completely made me not play like like green white creature decks anymore. Like I just like. It's just such a hard time dealing with that card, so, like, I don't know, like, but I wouldn't say, like, it, it needs to be banned at this point, just, like, I'm not happy about it, and, like, um, 
dig through time, I really wouldn't be surprised if it eventually saw, like, a, a ban on that card. Just, like, I don't, I mean, people will, like, it's just a pretty common opinion, but, like, the delve mechanic is just, it's just pretty broken, you know? And, like, especially that it's blue, it's an instant, it, it says, it doesn't say draw, it says look at the top seven, so, like, it gets around, like, hate pieces that people would play, like, I don't know. I think, like, if anything will get banned in the near future that's currently legal, I'd say it could be dig through time, but, like, as far as, like, Sensei's top, like, granted the card's really slow, like, it just has so much play in all different sorts of decks that, like, I wouldn't say it warrants a ban, so, like, right now where we're at, I just can't see anything, like, being banned. Yeah. I don't know, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Um... I feel they should just like <clears throat> separate out the band the ban lists into cards that are banned because they no longer fit in what we know of as magic, and by that I kind of mean all the uh, anti cards, you know, chaos orb. I and love even, chaos orb. I do too. I wish we could play chaos orb. It's just not feasible you can, for me. You can play chaos orb against me legally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's actually in my EDH deck. <laughs> Not to go on the side here, but, like, there's an old-school tournament that's, like, I think it's 93 or 94 Magic or whatever yeah. at Eternal Weekend on a Friday. I played in it last year, and there's dudes, like, half the dudes out there are playing Chaos Orbs in their deck, and, like, these guys had to have, like, sat and practiced yeah. on how to flip them because, like, they're hitting it perfect every time. Okay, so I guess now was that is that the '93 league? Yeah, it, I mean I don't know if it's a league per se, but it's just like a couple of the Chicago dudes assemble this tournament. They call yeah, it Ult- yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, and I it, I played in it last year. Just like it's real casual, like in in like one of the hotels nearby. Well, like the, these dudes are playing Chaos Orb in there, and like just legit, just like flipping them perfect every time. It's pretty hysterical to watch. <laughs> my, my buddy, my my buddy, I used to play with years ago. He doesn't do any like competitive magic. He just kind of fucks around at the kitchen table with some friends still, I guess. And I went over his deck. Um, so when he plays his deck, it's no shit, probably five hundred card deck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now that you've imagined it, um, he's got like all sorts of random things in there, like different shades and shit. Like, he probably stopped playing right around the same time, Fallen Empires. So, but he's got, like, a couple of one-ofs in the deck, and, a, like, he probably has, like, maybe three Lord of the Pit somewhere in there, one Berserk, a Chaos Orb, and, like, he just he gets into these, like, storytelling Vorthos-type thing when he's casting stuff. Oh, and man. I want to hang out yeah, with him. Yeah, it's wicked cool. It's wicked cool. He's pretty exciting. And, uh... But I hadn't, I forgot, like, he had a Chaos Orb and we were playing, and all of a sudden he pulls it out. I'm like, oh shit, that's right. It's a good start, man. Two colorless, one activate, just fucking blow some stuff up. Did yep. you guys know that the unlimited, white bordered unlimited Chaos Orbs are $100? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could probably pick them up for like 60 or 70 at the right time, but. Right. I, mean, I had no idea they were that much. There's well, actually. <laughs> the 9394 format's pretty big in Europe. Like, they've, they're, it's actually like gained a lot of ground over there. So like, like I love Juzam Jin. You know, I sneak them in when I can. And I've watched that card like go up like crazy. And as we all know, it's like not playable, really. You know? <laughs> right. It's like, I just love the card because of nostalgia, et cetera. But the card's consistently going up, and it's just because, and that's just kind of across the board with a lot of the old betas and legends. You'll see just weirdo cards kind of going up, and a lot of it's 93, 94. Like, if you look at the cards that people are playing in those decks, you'll see, like, some price increases now. Just because the card availability is so low, so when someone buys, 
Yeah, you don't need that small amount to make it. The fact's it, yeah. Though I did see, I may actually have to buy this to play. Did you know they made an oversized? You know those like gimmick cards? That yeah, I like, made Jews on them once. Yeah, they also made a big chaos orb. So oh, I made, yeah. <laughs> I mean to get that so I could flip a six by nine chaos orb. Yeah. You might still be able to pick that up out in Spencer. I know Jim had one out there a while ago. Oh man. Yeah. That's... Now, so Evan, just out of curiosity. Yes. Um, so they were doing vintage when we got down there. Yeah. And, and one guy was playing proxies. Did you end up throwing? I'm just wondering if you ended up using it all, that proxy, uh, natural order. Like, have you fucked around with that at all? Did, did anybody see the artwork on it? I'm just curious about any feedback on yeah, it. Yeah, I still have that. Um, I'm, what, I'm probably gonna sneak that in. It doesn't, like, natural order doesn't have too much play in vintage. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I do run uh, mono green. So, uh, so, because part of the question well, is like, can I ship you like a proxy something? Dude, you know what? I yes. I mean, I, I would love some elemental tokens for. Oh. Okay. But, <laughs> I was thinking like something proxy fairy yeah. deck. But all right, I can make you some elemental tokens. I love tokens, man. Um, but okay, for a proxy for my deck would definitely, if you want to do like a real badass one, um. Probably either, like, Ugin would be cool for my 12-post deck, um, uh, or any of the Eldrazi. Like, any of the, I like, I like having the big, like, I don't really play foils, um, but, oh, okay. like, so when I play a foil, like, that's kind of, like, why I got the token to be foil, just because I didn't want people to think I was, like, marking my deck or something. Uh, right, well, the, okay, and the token's yeah, not in Yeah, I just deck, typically right? play the oldest version of every card, you know, um. And then, yeah, and then some of my decks are foreign as well. All right, so you're not do, you're not doing a, any of the proxy vintage that I was seeing. Well, I have a real vintage deck, but uh, oh, okay. Yeah, but I mean, I'll play with the uh, with the proxies as well. Basically, what that is is Sean O'Brien has he's actually proxied out like twelve vintage decks. Yep. Um, so we can all just kind of play between rounds and just pick one up, uh, mm-hmm. just kind of get some experience with it. I mean, some of these guys have like a couple sets of power here in Atlanta. Um, and Jeez. Yeah, so we actually have like, we have some guys that like, we're, our vintage scene is just getting ready to shoot off. Like we have like a group of guys that have power and we're ready to like allow like, you know, like 20 proxies. Um, and go from there. I was mm-hmm. in, I was in Minneapolis actually. Um, that's where my parents are at, and they have uh, vintage actually uh, on Mondays, and they do all proxies. And there's a guy there. I mean, not to get too off track, but he does kind of the same thing where he has a huge box of proxies, and he just like on Monday night, all of these guys don't have any magic cards, but they're all pros at vintage. Because they all play these like nice proxy decks every Monday, and they're like old school players. But then when they go to tournaments, they borrow power, and then they kind of take down the tournament and, mm-hmm. and pass out the winnings. So that's kind of an interesting thing. But I know you guys have talked proxies a little bit, so I thought I'd just throw that out there. Um, yeah, I always but, would. Want, I always wanted to play vintage. I don't think I've yeah. ever played a game of vintage in my life. Yeah, it's a cool format. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we have some diehard vintage guys in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, typically we, our, our, our legacy scene though is really what most of our players are doing. But nice. yeah, hopefully we'll have a vintage scene here soon. I know you guys have one in the Northeast that's very strong. 
They're p- very pocketed. It's, it's yeah. almost like it's like the Masonic Order. You need you need like the invite and the secret password <laughs> and knock three times on the door and then they let you in. <laughs> um, I I've only seen it played in stores maybe once or twice, and I've lived here for a long time, going into all sorts of different shops. Um, it's more of like they don't really meet at stores so much so much as like they have meeting places where all once you're a vintage player all the other vintage players know you so they don't have like announcements they just have like text circles that they all text each other you're part of the family exactly (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna need you to do me a favor and in return (laughs) you'll get to box sapphire (laughs) yeah you're the black lotus and you're gonna sack it yeah. <laughs> I need you to whack Luciano. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. All right, so it's getting closer to 10.30, quarter past anyway. Yeah. yeah. We're at work in the morning. We should start heading towards the top eights then. Uh, we probably should because it always takes us another hour to do top eights. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Who goes first? I'll go first because I'm rude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, who's, who's got top eights, Jerry? Who's got top eights? Uh, well, I just had two quick. Obviously, I wanted to scoop in Andrew and Evan for coming on here. Mostly why I wanted to go first was before Adrian or Pat stole it out from under me. <laughs> Damn it. I got it. First pick draft. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, th- big thanks to you guys for coming on. It was great hearing from uh, our southern brothers. Uh, and I also wanted to scoop in mysterious person from that sea who said they love the cast, but I wasn't smart enough to ask you your name, so I could give you a proper <laughs> shout out. <laughs> yeah, you want me to get his name for you? Yeah, well, can you find it? Yeah, I can find that quick. Uh, it, was, it was Chuck. I'm it, sure it, was it was Chuck. Well, let me, Chuck, let me, let me, if let me that is your sure. real name, the shout out. Because I remember it looked like he was, uh, it kind of looked like he was giving um, John a little bit of shit, too. <laughs> and, and, like, John's John's fucking, John's a cool guy. Anyway, that that's before, see, I got to say that before Jerry steals my fucking shout out. <laughs> and, yeah, I, my next one was I was going to scoop in John. John actually came out. He got a all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet with us after the tournament. Oh, really? So, God yeah. damn it. Every, and I'm leaving early? Look at all the <laughs> shit I missed. You missed it. I introduced oh! you to the mysterious world of Nancy Chang's all-you-can-eat buffet, and it was amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah? So, big got, scoop to him. This, this, um... There's another place that we can grab some food at too, since um, since Paul Max is closed every Sunday. Yeah, it was Chuck Cloutier. Cloutier. Cloutier, maybe. Yes. Chuck. I only know that because I know someone else with that same last name. Maybe they're related. Maybe. Probably not though. So anyway, so yeah, Chuck Cloutier then. Yeah, and uh, so, Andrew and Evan again. So even if Adrian or Pat scoop you in, I got you twice. Boom. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> but you still got to scoop in uh, Chuck Cloutier. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I mean, I already did. Only now we have a name to the nameless person. Yeah, but I, I, you know, I'm editing out all of the. All right, what's his name? Let me look it up. You know, that's getting. <laughs> oh, and also one last one is Chuck Cloutier. Because there you go. Mysterious man. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> See, Evan and Andrew, aren't you guys glad we edit things out? <laughs> I like it. It's... This, it's this is the impromptu. This is the impromptu shit, man. <laughs> Um, 
right, then who else? Pat? Pat, sure. who you scoop in? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'd like to uh, scoop in our guest from the Dirty South. Thanks for coming on the for coming on the show and uh, I'm glad home. you do that because Jerry didn't. <laughs> well, you know I'm hard headed and I'm going to pretend he didn't even talk. And you're going to let me edit this cast, so I'll put myself in front of Jerry. <laughs> Jerry will just make sure he puts it in the show notes. That's it. Exactly, put it in the show notes. Um, and uh, and with that, I also want to scoop in. Uh, Mr. Celso over there. Uh, I, I don't remember if it got out. I don't know if it was the last cast, the one before, which one actually got released, but I did uh, have a really good time with you at TE. Had a, it was fun to play some elves against you, and even though I still got my face beaten in by elves later that day, um, I appreciate you taking the time to show me what's going on with that deck and making me a little bit better of a legacy player. Hey, glad to help. Really sorry I had to blow up all your lands so that you can draw cards so I can attack you with an Assyrian Bridge in play. Uh, yeah, Chalice on one, then followed by Chalice on two, makes it very hard to win with a Delver deck, so. <laughs> um, and other than that, um, scoop in John Kerman. Uh, again, I, I know I did last week, and since that didn't get released, I just wanted to give him a shout out. And, uh, and my wife for being awesome, so. That's it for me. She doesn't listen to this, Pat. She, she doesn't. She listens so she, she hears it live. You, Jerry. <laughs> a smart woman. You married up. She listens, she listens to it live. So. Good. <laughs> All right, who's next? How about you guys, Evan? Andrew? Yeah, I mean, definitely want to scoop you guys into the top eight for, uh, you know, having us on and, and, uh, just even like mentioning us the last one was really cool too. Um, I think got a lot of people pumped down here, and just for the podcast in general, you know, it's just, you know, the entertainment is great. We all appreciate it. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, and then definitely, like, all, like, you know, down here, like, all Team Tusk, for sure. Um, everyone that watches Tusk Vision, it's helped, like, you know, help us set up the stream, let us borrow their phone for better internet service, you know. That's right, you had that going on. Yes, yeah, right. yeah, sitting down, giving us any tips, et cetera, or just watching, you know, is great. Just, you know, getting legacy, you know, pushing legacy harder, anyone helping with that, definitely special thanks. But, yeah, definitely all the Team Tusk guys. Oh, before I forget and we go off on another tangent, because I was going to ask you guys this earlier, uh, where can our listeners who are chomping at the bit to see some hot, hot legacy stream find the Team Tusk stream? Oh, I was going to ask that question. That was my question, yeah. Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> well, just edit it. That's a you have to do, Just edit yourself in front again. <laughs> Then I just have Jerry coming in like I hope I got the fucking audio this week. (laughs) (laughs) It's gonna be uh twitch.tv uh slash Tuskvision T U S K V I S I O N. So that's Thursday nights regularly starting seven thirty Eastern. And then I guess we're gonna try and start streaming Sundays too. We streamed this past Sunday at like one PM Eastern. Yeah, it's super games uh here in, in Atlanta. Uh, so Gigabytes we do on Thursday at 7.30, and then we're doing Super Games at uh, 1 p.m. Big Store does a lot of card movement on TCG players. Some of you guys might have seen, but... So, yeah. yeah I've actually well, for them before. 
Yeah, definitely. They, they they have a huge inventory, but anywho, they're supporting our legacy movement like huge. They threw in extra prize support. We threw in like a German uh, Sylvan library, some Tempest rituals that actually Andrew won, uh, and some other stuff. So they're they're just going out of their way to kind of get them get us back in there. We used to play there a long time ago, so scoop in Super Games as well. Um, so yeah, and then I'll pass it to Andrew. Uh, I'll keep it short for time's sake, but uh, I'll scoop in the Wooberg. Yeah, I'll scoop in the dude, the dudes from Wooberg XYZ. I was like in Chicago this past week, and I got to play some Legacy there. So like, you know how it is. Like uh, when you get to go to another city and play, it's pretty sweet. And uh, they put me on their stream or whatever. So I'll scoop those dudes in. They're super cool. And uh, scoop you guys, obviously. Like we really appreciate you letting us like you know talk and yak your ear off. We'll go on forever, really. And. uh <laughs> Yeah, I'll scoop in Carl's Diner because it sounds like a wicked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they like bacon just a little bit over there. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's not like a wicked good place to eat, you know. So I'm gonna scoop that in as well. <laughs> uh, wicked like. Yeah, that's right, right. Somebody in the south just said wicked. Yeah, <laughs> pushing it on us, man. We, we, we've been kicking it out here and there. Now. <laughs> it's, it's wicked pizza. Yeah. For <laughs> you, for you know it, they're gonna be like, hey, Abby. Want to go get some chatter? <laughs> Dude, we're in Atlanta. Yeah, stop my khakis anywhere. Stop at the packy. Stop at the packy. Oh, man. Uh, what about you, Celso? Got anyone to scoop in today? Yeah, well, uh, let's scoop in Tuscovision first, because where else in the world currently are you going to see decks like Juzam Stompy for Legacy? <laughs> Thank you. That's 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 really the only place, as far as I know, and it's fantastic watching it. Because um, man, yeah, you know, like I, some some days it's just sick of just like watching Miracles Mirror and just like looking for my Colt forty five just to blow myself my brains out. <laughs> <laughs> like if I could go out to a if I could go out to a stream and see you know like. Mox Diamond, and all of a sudden, let's play a Soul Land into Juzam Jin. Like, that's, that's where it's at. So, yeah. let's, let's scoop the Tusk Vision in. And, and also, like, the great food in the South, seriously. Like, I miss it. I lived oh, in Knoxville. Shit. Oh my god. Okay. So, not to it, off, but you, you seem to have, like, an Atlanta connection. Is, do you come down here a lot? Like, uh. Well, while I was in Knoxville. So it was only two hours. Ah, so, got okay, that's the connection. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Celso was the one telling me about Bluebird. Yeah, that, that's like that's some inside information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I hit a Bluebird. I made sure to hit a Varsity. Made sure to hit up or at least see the giant red chicken. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no one will actually know. These are all trade secrets. They're just gonna be replete, replaced with uh, beeps and whistles when they're. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No one can I don't know if we went to Vortex. <laughs> Not sure if we did Vortex. Oh, no, I think we did do Vortex. We just didn't do... I forgot what the name of the burger was. The grilled cheese and the burger and the madness. Yeah, it's we, called the cardiac arrest or whatever. <laughs> yeah. We, we tried to walk out of there alive. That was the game plan. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, it's, it's definitely a sweet city. I absolutely loved it. Like, every time I go down, I have a fun time. So it's I, I need to go back at some point. That's that's the problem. So, but now, I know now. Next time I do, I'm bringing my legacy with me. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, hit us up, man. We can we can put you up or whatever. Like we'll take you around to the tournament, show you a good time. You know. Yeah. Sweet deal. Yeah, definitely. 
I'll make sure to bring something spicy too, because that's how we do it. That's how you guys do it down there. That's right. <laughs> bring your minds. Oh man! So yeah, shout out to you guys. Let's scoop in the uh, the Massachusetts guys, of, of course. The uh, the trio leaving a legacy. Uh, shout out to TE. Always a fun time. Like I have more fun taking an hour out of my time to drive up there. And playing legacy than playing locally. It's sad, but it's it's awesome at the same time. I drive past two game shops to get to that scene. That's how much I love that scene. <laughs> I know. Like unless I have a hankering to just like blow the crap out of cloud posts, then you know, I'll I guess I'll stay <laughs> stay where I'm at, but you know. If I want to play something that even resembles like a regular meta of some sort. Oh man. But yeah. I know I appreciate you crossing state lines. <laughs> well, I'm besides, you guys have Carl's. We don't have Carl's. Well, we got Miss Worcester too, but I still, I still haven't been to that barbecue place you were telling me about. Oh yeah, we gotta do bears, man. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody was joking today, cause I don't know if you guys saw the story, but in Colorado there was a bear that broke into a pie shop and ate like 40 pies. <laughs> God. And like he wasn't, he wait, 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 caught on the this- camera. Yeah, trash can trash cans were like electric fence, the door was heavily secured. Bear just broke through the window and ate forty pies. <laughs> Please tell me you found a new profile picture out of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like so somebody was joking with bears on Twitter as like, Hey, was this you? And then like Bear Smokehouse just retweeted it out. <laughs> but yeah, that place is I mean it's it's not like it's not it's close to Southern Barbecue. It's not not the same for sure. Definitely the pork's not not exactly there, but it's still very very good quality barbecue, especially given you know we're in New England for Christ's sake. Um, we got so. our clam chowder barbecue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do barbecue lobster. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we braise on pork round and clam chowder. <laughs> We, put, we just slap barbecue sauce all over the Johnny cakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so... What does this come to? <laughs> I have no idea. One, one more scoop know. to Trading Post. It's a hell of a magic card. Seriously. <laughs> like, I had... At TE, <laughs> somebody was staring down Trading Post and some other permanents of mine, and I think they were playing four-color Deathblade, and... They ultimate Liliana and just kind of staring at my board. It was kind of like, all right, you can have everything or the trading post. Like yeah, it was like everything or um, Sundering Titan and and Glimmer Post or something. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll sack the Sundering Titan and the Glimmer Post. Untap, sack Metalworker, get Sundering Titan back, cast Sundering Titan again. <laughs> it's a hell of a drug. It really is. <laughs> Um, and I think I have a Dream Crush. Oh, yeah, let's just Dream Crush Modern. <laughs> so, so I, I want to thank you, actually, because now when anyone asks me why I like Legacy more than Modern, I just refer them to your string of treat tweets. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a prima donna. It wants to be Legacy, but it's not. And <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, it's that. so powerful. We play a lot. We make infinite dudes, man. It's powerful. <laughs> On well, turn four. Often <laughs> off the day today, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, why do they do that in modern? Fuck them. 
So yeah, more to come on that that hashtag as as we go along. <laughs> I mean, if if we get some cool legacy tools into the format, maybe I'll start being interested again. But you know, like. Man, and talk about, like, we were talking about formats where it's, like, all about banning cards, banning cards, banning cards. Like, Modern's the poster child for that format, like, for, for formats that just likes to ban cards. Yeah. Man. But Legacy, that's, man, I, I, I might get into Vintage, but I want to I wanna get into Vintage, like, it's almost like Test Vision style. I want to do the no power, you know, let's, let's, go, let's go off the radar a little bit with Vintage, because, I mean... I, Kind of tired of seeing like Lotus, Lotus, Lotus box, box, box. <laughs> yeah, there's there's good prize support too for non-powered decks. Like you know, if you didn't know Bazaar and no uh, workshops and no power, they they pump up the prize support for that. So and it's fun. You can actually get far with some good hate bears, Merfolk. Yeah, wow. yeah. Real good. Uh, interesting. Yeah, no rods and blast so far in that format. <laughs> oh no shit. <laughs> Well, that's one of the pillars, right? There are no rod decks. Yeah, exactly. Thinking, right? Yeah. Uh, what about also uh, Gorilla Shaman, or also known as Mox Monkey? Yeah. Hey, that could be in the deck. Yeah. Four Mox Monkey, four no rod. All right. Well, I just fifty-two cards to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I actually like the Legacy deck. That's uh, Gorilla Shaman, and then uh, uh, Liquid Metal Coating. It's like oh, that was one guy playing that. <laughs> it's like turn your lands into an artifact. Blow it up. Turn your other land into an artifact. Blow it up. <laughs> Gak Faden, turn your land into an artifact. Take it. <laughs> did, I, did I? Oh, okay. He wasn't there doing it with Gak Faden, though. No, but I've I've seen the deck go go that far, and it's it's pretty hilarious and awesome. Yeah, it, right up until you just City of Traders, Lotus Petal, Show and Tell, Omniscience. Yeah, I mean, freak the fuck out. Yeah, why you gotta be that way? <laughs> why you gotta rain on my awesome artifact parade? <laughs> because that's how I ended up beating the Mox Monkey, <laughs> and that, that's when I stopped seeing it. Yeah. He's like, "How did you land an Omniscience?" I'm like, "Show and Tell." Oh, okay. And then he kept trying to keep me off land. I'm like, "City of Traders, Lotus Petal, Show and Tell." <laughs> And then he kind of stopped doing that. Yeah. You win some, you lose them. Yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah, actually, that was like a full shaman deck. It was actually pretty cool. It was uh, very thematic. But nice. A story for another day. Yeah. Yep. Well, with that, I think we've run the gambit. You know, one last shout-out to our special guests. Uh, we had three of them on for you guys. So hope Wow, you Terry, are... I, thought, I thought you listened to this cast live. I, I do. I do. Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't even shout anybody out yet. Oh, oh. <laughs> I figured we got all these board. Well, it's all right, Adrian. Just put yours in the short show notes. It would be okay, nice. Well, <laughs> put yours in the short show notes. It's titled "Salt, Salt, and More Salt." <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So I, I definitely. I definitely want to scoop in the top eight. Evan, thank you for helping me out with the fucking setting the PayPal up. Oh no problem, man. And um. And thanks for. Donating to that too. Yeah. And and I got a scoop in the top eight. Flip his fucking his contributions were fucking insane. Yeah. And um, I'm gonna put up on the Facebook group. If if anybody's interested, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start with a um. What what the fuck is it? Silent auction on this um. It's serial number 47 out of 60. Christopher Rush autograph lightning bolt playmat. And uh, so you can hit me up in a message and. I can make an offer, whatever. And uh, I also want to scoop in his top eight. John Kerman 
and fucking Kyle because my place is fucking full of commons. So, Pat, I really got to meet up with you at the Wiz on Wednesday, and uh, you could take these down to Uxbridge. Uh, anyway, Pat, I got to meet up with you at some point yeah, we'll, soon. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, and um, so and fucking Celso, I got to meet up with you too soon. We got to go fucking get barbecue or something. <laughs> I haven't seen you in a few minutes. And uh, Jerry already scooped in Chuck. So, yeah, Evan, Flip. Oh, Conrad Johansson. I know I'm still fucking looking to see. I got to check my the P.O. box, too. This guy's sending something from New Zealand. Like, I don't... That's that's fucking overwhelming to me. Like, I was talking... I. And and this part might actually I don't know I was I re, I also ran into Josh Sissio when I got out of work I went to go meet up with him because he had some playmats to donate and um you know we were talking he's in the service and uh, we were talking about it and like some of the shit that floors me is like it makes sense because you know what we're doing is is also it's for the Wounded Warrior Project and uh, to me it makes sense like U.S. soldier U.S. citizen that kind of makes sense but like the first thing I got was from Braden in Ontario and I'm like holy shit like. Canada <laughs> doing anything for like U.S. soldiers was like not expected, you know what I mean? And like then I start hearing from people in New Zealand, and I'm like, wow, that's really fucking not expected either. Like the people, the people that it, th- this has gotten me to interact with people that I wouldn't normally interact with, and that's what's fucking awesome is because they're awesome people. Like that's what makes the game cool to play for me. Including like you, in- including fucking Evan and Andrew. Like you know, coming down to Atlanta. And Evan scoops me up, brings me over to this game. We go out to the Waffle House, and that shit was fucking awesome. You guys were dope. Yeah, we had a good time, man. Yeah. So, how did I forget Waffle House? I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> was that your other scoop in? <laughs> so, sorry, guys. I I think I highly offended the South for for getting Waffle House for real. <clears throat> I deeply apologize for that one. Yeah, and I also got a fucking scoop in Atlanta because I found cigarettes for four thirty. <laughs> like that shit was awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Atlanta, for single-handedly re-kickstarting uh, Adrian's smoking habit. <laughs> oh, it, it, it was silly. I'm like, I, yeah, a pack of cigarettes just four thirty. I'm like, I'll take a carton. <laughs> Trying to quit Atlanta way. <laughs> well, yeah, the thing was, I went down there and I didn't have my my little vaporizer. Four hours before I left Atlanta, I went to the vape shop. I'm like, fuck this. But yeah, that shit was dope. Anyway, the place was uh, the place was cool. And that little, like that. All right, so it's a hot city too, but they have this free electric streetcar that drives around downtown for free, and it's air conditioned. So I just like sit on the fucking air conditioned streetcar going around Atlanta. I'm like, all right, this is actually a pretty cool. Place. <laughs> Within a few days, Adrian had become a homeless Atlanta resident, <laughs> <laughs> and I was living better than Massachusetts. <laughs> shit was slick. Um, <laughs> funny because yeah, it's true <laughs> oh you know what that was the other thing too when I was down there there's a place called like there's, there's a fucking Brazilian steakhouse I forget what the hell it was called Bobo? no it's like eh, whatever the hell it was but it turns out there's one on Shrewsbury Street in Worcester is it Pampas? Because I also ate bison at like Ted's Bison Bar yeah that sounds good yeah yeah because we right like maybe 15, 20 minutes away from me, there's a bison farm. And, like, they got... It's funny, too, because they have signs up on the side that say, like, a big picture of a bison. I can get to the fence in 30 seconds. Can you? <laughs> and, like, just to, like, don't go in the fence. But, um, but like, yeah, there's, there's bison up here. Anyway, so I ate bison down there. But at some point, because um, 
because Paul Max is closed on Sundays, and that's usually when we were going to SCGs and shit, sometimes, so, so come on up, we'll go fucking play AT, and we'll go to the Brazilian Steakhouse. Oh, yeah, I think it is Papa's. Uh, yeah, the, on, on Shrewsbury Street. Yeah. Yeah, it's right around the corner from Dorico's, another little fucking nice little Italian restaurant, but uh, Paul Max oh. is the... I love how the menu is just like meat. (laughs) (laughs) I love me a Brazilian steakhouse. Those things are amazing. Good. Then let's all let's all fucking do it up. Some Sunday after Legacy, we'll go grab dinner. Uh, Evan and Andy, you guys will have to come up to New England and get some Brazil traditional Brazilian food in New England. (laughs) Well, no, they 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 got a Brazilian steakhouse down there that doesn't fuck around. Uh, Like I forget what the hell it was called, Chipotle Pete's maybe. I forget what the hell it was, but. It was uh, it was damn good. It was damn good. But yeah, when we got off the plane, my buddy's like, Atlanta's known for eating. Yeah, with all that said, you guys have been fucking awesome hanging out with. And uh, yeah, come back down anytime, or you know, any guys, give us a shout out when you get here, and you know, get you set up. Yeah, you guys got to meet up with Jerry at Eternal. Yeah, weekend. see you guys at Eternal Weekend. Yeah, we'll def- we're definitely gonna be there. We got our hotels booked, planes, everything. We're all flying up on the same plane. Nice, that's awesome. Are you guys staying in the official hotel? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I think we're going to book it in that hotel, too, so we'll actually even be in the same place. Awesome. Get some play testing in. Awesome, definitely. Cool. Game. Yeah, All right. in touch, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Oh, did you, and, and everybody's got your contact information, right? Tusk Vision? Yeah, yeah. All right, as yeah. long as I, just, I know Jerry uh, asked for it earlier on the cast. Just uh, put it in the show notes, Adrian. Just <laughs> throw it right in the show notes. There yeah, it I'll is. Just, see, <laughs> see, I'll just... I'll just copy it from last week's episode, Jerry, because you didn't you didn't notice it was in the show notes, but oh, I'm sorry, but last week's episode never went up because as we're referring to it now, we have oh, yeah, a whole lot right. of disappointed uh, <laughs> listeners. The, the mythical lost episode right. now. Lost, yeah. Lost the well, I guess that's how you keep people excited. Is you got to let them down once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that was very nihilistic. <laughs> that's exactly how I keep my marriage together. <laughs> What's uh, next, Adrian? Are you gonna treat Steve Menendian like a burn player? Like what? <laughs> the lo- the Where do we draw the line here? The last episode where me and Adrian make up, we wash away the salt with tears of joy. <laughs> I beat Pat, resulting in more tears of joy. <laughs> but now the world will never know. Yes, <laughs> because I edited it out. Yep. <laughs> Adrian, Adrian put that episode right next to the Ark of the Covenant at the end of Indiana Jones. <laughs> Ah, fucking dope. Uh, Well, it has been a hell of a fucking evening. Oh my god, it's quarter of 11. Shit. Alright, guys. uh, Yeah, I guess until next time, we'll check you out later.
Yeah, 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 it did. I mean, like, you know, honestly, I don't even actually play with any play mats at all. Yep. Um, Magic's equivalent of raw dogging it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I try to, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, if I could play with no sleeves, I would, you know. <laughs> oh, you're a monster. Yeah, I'm a monster, man. <laughs> Ripple shuffle beta duels, the whole thing. So. Oh, God. <laughs> I need to go take a shower. Yeah. Um, 